Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets are on the air. Today, the Yellow Jackets welcome the generals of Washington and Lee today field. Exclusive coverage of Randolph-Macon College football on the Mater is presented by Lux Chevrolet Route 1 in Ashland or at LuxChevrolet.com. By Marco's Italian Restaurant Bar and Grill, England Street in Ashland. By Ferber's Tire and Auto Service with two Ashland locations. By Massey Wood and West, fueling Virginia since 1923 at MasseyWoodandWest.com. By Ashland Physical Therapy, partnering with Randolph-Macon College for over 25 years. And by Randolph-Macon College, giving you the edge. RMC.edu. It's time for the Lux Chevrolet pregame show. Now, live from Day Field, we join the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Marty Wilson and Rob Witham. The calendar has hit November, and we are playing for real. It is a two-week sprint to the Old Dominion Athletic Conference Football Championship as the Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets come off their bye week and on day field on this beautiful first Saturday in November in Ashland, Virginia, they get set to face the Generals of Washington and Lee, who come in surprisingly on a two-game losing streak Two weeks ago, it looked as if they would be in a battle, a three-way battle for the ODAC title. But a Hail Mary play for Emory and Henry with no time remaining erases a 21-point Generals lead. And a homecoming win for the Wasps spoils the Generals' hopes of being where Bridgewater and Randolph-Macon are at this hour. Tied for first at 5-0 and in ODAC play with three weeks to go. Yellow Jackets get set here at home against the Generals. Bridgewater on the road against the only other team with a hope to win the ODAC. That's Emory and Henry, who entered the conference a weekend with just one defeat. But if they want to stay in the race, they're going to have to hand the Eagles their first loss. This is the Lux Chevrolet pregame show. We're 30 minutes to kick here live on a beautiful Saturday. I hope you're on your way to join us here at Dayfield. If not, we're glad you've joined us here. On 1029 The Mater at 102.9 FM, 1430 AM. Fans listening, and they'll be watching shortly at rmcathletics.com. And fans listening this afternoon on the TuneIn Radio app on Radio R-A-D-I-A-L-L. We bring in the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Marty Wilson. Marty, these generals come in, losers of two straight. Uh, uh, ODAC title hopes are, are basically dashed. It could be a situation to where you have a team that's kind of deflated, or you could have a wounded animal who would love nothing more than to get some revenge for a 27, a 23-7 loss in Lexington at the hands of this Randolph-Macon team a year ago last September. And, Rob, we've talked a lot about Washington Lee over the last decade of how they play a different style of football offensively than anybody else in the ODAC. I think last year, for the first time in a while, the Yellow Jackets figured it out and won up in Lexington 23-7. to So it's going to be interesting to see. You've got a lot of seniors back on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of experience for the Yellow Jackets, used to seeing how the Generals play. They will not be fooled by much. But for the Generals, I think you mentioned that they were had a shot two weeks ago, really a, a chance to maybe continue for the ODAC championship, 
And I think it comes down to the fact they play at uh, Emory and Henry without their starting quarterback, Jake or Jack Pollard. And then Pollard comes back and plays last week but does not play well against Bridgewater. Goes two for 13, throwing the ball. And they do have a passing attack this year for the Generals. But he did not throw the ball well. And I think Bridgewater just sort of overwhelmed them a little bit in the second half. And all of a sudden, the Generals are out of the, the race for the ODAC championship, but uh, still in the role of the spoiler. Uh, no doubt about it. They still have a whole lot to play for. The magic number here this afternoon, fans, for the Generals, 400. If they're able to get, and I know that sounds almost insane, but they expect to run the football that much and that well. Their triple option offense, which also has several other schematics added to it. This is not Navy football. Uh, They're not going to line up and be in a traditional set and run play after play after play and just dare you to, to, to stop them. They have many different ways to attack you offensively, even more so this year than they've had in years past. And head coach Pedro Aruza is very aware of that. When they get 400 yards or more on the ground, they're almost unbeatable in this decade. But if you hold their rushing attack in check, they're an under 500 ball club. That's what the Yellow Jackets did defensively last year. In that win in Lexington, only 144 yards on the ground. And Marty, as coach, is going to point out here in a minute on the final word before kick, uh, Calvin Whitehead didn't play last year in Lexington, and neither did D'Angelo Barr. The bulk of this defense did play in Lexington a year ago, so they know what's coming, and they hope to be ready. And, Rob, it's really assignment football. I think that each of your guys defensively has to know, read what the keys are for the general offense. And they're gonna, Whether it's the fullback carrying the ball or trying to get the ball to, to Brees on the, at the edge, but I think we've seen this enough, and the guys defensively for the Yellow Jackets have enough experience. You may see Anthony Williams back for the Yellow Jackets as well, but you, so many guys that have played for three years against this, it's not as if they're not familiar with the style of play, and they understand what their role is on each and every play, and it's going to come down to can you do your job and not give the big play to the general offense. Now let's flip the script, Marty, and talk about Randolph Macon's offense, who have yet to put together that complete game, but... Coach Arusa excited about using last week's bye week to get some people healthy. And as he told us, we were able to have him on the postgame show there two weeks ago from Buena Vista in the win over Southern Virginia before the break. He was really happy with the play of his offensive line that afternoon, which includes a freshman at center, the ability to take Connor Denning and move him along the line. And even though Jake Wernel won't start today, He's starting to get better. You hope to see him eventually in rotation, and maybe we will today. If this offensive line he feels like is playing the best football for this team, if they can get Trey Frederick on the loose, Shahid Adiola, who will join us here on the pregame show in just a moment, uh, it's all about that. And then the pressure is a little bit off of Presley Egbers to just manage the game complete the passes that need to be completed. Uh, I think really kind of the biggest question for the Yellow Jackets this afternoon, I'd be interested in your your perspective, is how well Egbers plays at quarterback. Yeah, I think he struggled a little bit two weeks ago at Southern Virginia and saw that uh, Coach Aruza was really um, had a lot of conversation with uh, the, his young quarterback who was coming off the field. But I think at this point in the season, Rob, you really turn and look, you've got an All-American caliber tailback and you've got a very good offensive line. I think the point you made, Two weeks to get the offensive line healthy. You've got depth there now. You've got guys that are experienced. Warner was a, a preseason All-American who may or may not start for you today. And coming off the bench, a lot of experience there. It's going to be up to those guys to open holes for Trey Frederick and also protect the young quarterback. The challenge is going to be that the general defense, a lot of when you talk about Washington Lee, it's all a lot of the conversations about their offense. It's such a unique style of offensive play. But this year their defense is legit. They're giving up about mm-hmm. 70 yards a game on the ground. 
best in the ODAC. So they really try to take the running game away from you and force you to throw the ball. And I think that's really going to be the, the case for both defenses today. And if the Jackets are put in a position where they're going to have to throw the ball down the field, they're going to have to find a way to throw it and maybe get their tight ends involved a little bit more than we've seen during the course of the season. It's a special day here at Day Field. Honoring a very special team, Marty Wilson. Tell us about the uh, 30-year anniversary of the 1989 ODAC champion. And it's interesting. I saw a lot of those guys back. They had a reunion uh, sort of brunch and, and uh, tailgate here before the ball game. A team that wins the ODAC. They struggled early on, but they win their last four games of the season to come back and win an ODAC championship. And I believe that's the game where Jody Kane gets the sack in the end zone when Dave Field used to go in the opposite direction. A strip sack for a, a touchdown in the end zone against Hampton Sydney to win the whole thing. And Jody's in our Hall of Fame and just... Uh, just nice to see all those guys back. Jim Blackburn, the head coach, back. Greg Waters, one of the assistants, back as well. But it's hard to believe it's been 30 years since those guys hung a banner here at Randolph-Macon. Very hard to believe. And on top of that, it's an, a, a very special weekend here at Randolph-Macon for a totally different reason as well. That's the Hall of Fame induction tonight. That's at 6 o'clock. The cocktail hour starts at 5. But uh, got a, a great group going in. Uh, well, our halftime guest today will be Aaron Reedy Meehan and Matt Meehan, husband and wife, who will be inducted tonight. Wow. We'll also have Amy Bechtel, who was a, a great both soccer and women's basketball player. And then Mike Wolfick off of the, I believe he graduated 78, a uh, great running back for the Yellow Jackets back in the, the early days of the ODAC. So all four of them will be recognized at the half here today, and all four will be formally inducted into the Randolph-Macon Hall of Fame tonight at 6 o'clock in Birdsong. A very exciting time here at Randolph-Macon with the Yellow Jacket football team vying for an ODAC championship women's soccer nationally ranked still undefeated women's volleyball winning the regular season in the odac they're a quarterfinal victory away from hosting the semifinals and championships next weekend november 8th and 9th it's their sixth consecutive regular season title and you believe this after winning against shenandoah wednesday night on senior night this senior class has a 98 percent winning percentage against conference opponents in the last four years marty that is unheard of yeah and, and it's crazy i think that the, the work that bill rogers has done with that volleyball program it's really got got to the point that that's what you expect and he takes his team this year takes him to colorado to play against great competition he goes and wins a game against juniata two weeks ago against nationally ranked juniata takes him to atlanta every year but and this is where he expects that team to be but exciting week overall for yellow Jack at athletics a lot of we've got the men's soccer team playing tomorrow night at 5 30 down at lynchburg basketball men's basketball opens up with an exhibition tomorrow night against u of r but watch the the uh schedule the rest of the season because there's a next week if you wanted to come into town here you're gonna have women's basketball tournament i think that's saturday and sunday yes potentially volleyball here friday and saturday hosting you've got a potential for women's soccer to host here next saturday so a lot going it's going to keep phil stanton and uh, <laughs> taylor very busy from an sid perspective but a great weekend to come in if you got some time to come in town and watch some great college athletics no doubt about it unless we forget this is not the only event on day field tonight it's Randolph making field hockey facing Ferrum tonight, 6 p.m., and it is senior night for the Yellow Jacket field hockey team. Well, on the Lux Chevrolet pregame show, let's take a moment and sit down with former Henrico and now junior Randolph Macon running back, Shahid Adiola. On his time here as a Yellow Jacket, his uh, decision to come to Ashland, which he's very happy about, and what it is to work with Trey Frederick. Let's hear that conversation now as the Lux Chevrolet pregame show continues. It is great to have the junior running back from Henrico High School, Shahid Adiola, with us here on the pregame show. Shahid, when you've had opportunity here this season, you've been able to kind of make the most of it, and, and more opportunities are coming here in this home stretch. Let's go back first. Why did you choose Randolph-Macon? Um, when initially I was looking at Randolph-Macon, I 
when I actually like viewed the sat back and viewed the program, I realized that it was going to make me a better man in the long run. So that was like the the driving factor for me. Uh, now a lot of you know know that he is a product of Henrico High School. We followed your exploits there for several years as well. How did Henrico prepare you for what you have experienced here as a Yellow Jacket? Um. The, Playing under Coach Glasgow pretty much like instilled in me just the hard work, the hard nose all the time. And you don't mind the hard work, do you? No, sir. Because, again, in football, people automatically think, okay, it's a physical game, et cetera, et cetera. But it's hard work in multiple ways. It's more than just physicality. Mm -hmm. It's the playbook. It's the weight room. It's the classroom to make sure that you're able to be on the field. So how have you been able to balance everything here in your time now at Randolph-Macon? Pretty much just doing exactly what, like the how like the program is set up. We just go ahead and we do it exactly as is like written down. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, it's like uh, focusing on uh, classwork here is like one of the top things in the program. So we pretty much just go ahead and handle it that way. Shahid, what's it like playing with Trey Frederick? I mean, he's only down the all-time leading rusher in ODAC history and in program history. What, what can you learn from him when he's on the field and off? Uh, his, uh, he's the best. <laughs> his, uh, his, his work ethic is ridiculous. Um, I've never met anybody that works harder than him. Um, but yeah, just watching him and seeing how he goes about his daily life and how he like takes that and completely goes into a different zone when he, te uh, when he steps on the field. It's actually really amazing. So, Shahid, when you're on the field, you've had the opportunity here this season and in past seasons as well. You've seen time, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you looking at? How quickly does a play develop? How long do you have to determine whether the hole's going to hit where it's supposed to be or I've got to make an adjustment? I mean, are we talking less than a second here? Um, around a second to maybe a second and a half. It's not very long. And so how do you train yourself to make such snap decisions? So someone like me who never played football, you know, uh, uh, it's hard to even think about trying to make a decision that quickly that's going to earn you the most yards you can get. That pretty much just comes with like practice and discipline. Uh, coach tells us all the time that that's something that we really need to focus on is, um, slowing down and making sure that we can see the right holes before we go. Shahid, what do you think's been missing from the offense? It feels like that the offense hasn't put together that complete game yet. I mean, I know we, we you, know, you put up 47 in the win two weeks ago at Southern Virginia, but it just seems like the, there's a breakout performance to come, and Yellow Jacket fans are kind of pining for it. How do you think the bye week has helped you guys, and, and what are you prepared to do here today? I feel like um, that it's more of a discipline thing, and that's something that we've been working on all year, and we really uh, handled that this uh, this bye week. So I feel like we'll be best, much better coming out the, um, today. What are you doing in terms of the classroom? Do you have a declared major? Tell us about that. I'm a psych major and a classics minor. Whoa, excellent. Now, do you have plans postgraduate? Have you decided yet what you want to do, or is that decision still to come? Uh, that decision is still to come. I mean, my gosh, you've still got these games this year, the off season, and another year to go, correct? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Final question, Shahid, I know this team wants to do what last year's team did. 
win the ODAC championship, get back to the NCAA um, Division Three championship tournament. Uh, what lessons do you think this team, the returners such as you and Trey and many others, what do you think the lessons were learned from last year's playoff run that now you're in the home stretch and trying to do that again, you'll be able to use those lessons here in these last three games? I think that the the lessons that were learned were pretty much that we can't take anybody for granted and that we have to play at a high level every time. And to do that, you've got to be mentally focused just as much as you have to be physically ready. Do you have a specific game day routine that you follow? No, not necessarily. I just kind of lock in and play. There you go. That's as simple as it gets. Lock in and play. I love it. Shahid Adiola. Henrico High School graduate, junior now at Randolph-Macon. Shahid, thanks for being with us on the pregame show. Good luck today against the Generals. Thank you. We'll be back as our Lux Chevrolet pregame show rolls on after this timeout. This is Randolph-Macon College football on 1029 The Mater. Injuries happen when we least expect them. Whether from sports, work, or just because we're getting older, pain affects the quality of our life and limits us from performing our normal daily activities. But there is help at Ashland Physical Therapy. The physical therapists at Ashland Physical Therapy combine knowledge, skill, and experience in using the latest in evidence-based rehabilitation techniques to help you recover. Conveniently located in the Ashland Hanover Shopping Center in Ashland. Don't put up with pain. Visit Ashland Physical Therapy in Ashland. Ashland. At Randolph-Macon College, your education begins with your future in mind from your very first day on campus. RMC launched several new programs, such as a nursing major, show choir, an ensemble, an esports program, and men's volleyball. The college now owns a nearby Coventry Farm to support its thriving equine team. Visit us online at rmc.edu to schedule a campus tour, a personal interview, or to RSVP for one of our fall open houses. Randolph-Macon College, building extraordinary futures. You're listening to Randolph-Macon College Football on 102.9 The Mater. The Lux Chevrolet pregame show continues live here at Dayfield in Ashland. A very busy day in the ODAC, a weekend that already began with a game on Friday night. Marty Wilson. Yeah, Farum got a win at home last night against Shenandoah, 31-28. Shenandoah scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to make that a close ball game, but ultimately Farum improves to 3-4. and four. Shenandoah falls to 2-5. Other games being played today, Rob, you mentioned the big one, Bridgewater down at Emory and Henry. That's going to go a long way to deciding uh, what the standings look like going into next week, playing for the ODAC championship, and then Guilford on the road at Southern Virginia. Both of those games are 1 o'clock kicks, and we'll keep you updated in the course of our broadcast. As we've talked about all year, the bye week coming at a different time with the addition of Southern Virginia to the ODAC. Back as a football-only member, but it still came before Washington and Lee. How did head coach Pedro Aruza handle that? How did the bye week go, and what is he looking for in today's game? Let's find out with the final word before kickoff with head coach Pedro Aruza as the Lux Chevrolet pregame show continues. Coach Aruza, thank you so much for your time. Minutes away from kick here at Day Field against Washington and Lee. First, let's talk about the bye week. You get a chance to get a, a week off at, at a time of the year when you normally don't. It's usually been in September. How were you able to take advantage of it? How were the players able to kind of heal up and get things ready for the home stretch? Yeah, well, you know, we've, we've needed this bye week for a while, and uh, it came at, came at a great time. Um, I was actually really uh, glad that the schedule worked out the way that it worked out. Uh, we were able to get some guys health. We, you know, we, we shut some guys down last week, just to be honest. We had some guys that were just kind of at the point where they needed a week to rest and get healthy and get better. And uh, that was a huge that was a huge help. I think we're healthier than we've been at any point this season. I mean, 
you know, other than the guys that we're not going to get back, I, I think that we had an opportunity to, to heal up. I think it also gave us an opportunity to give some of our young players some uh, some work and really kind of just go back to a camp mode where, you know, we did get a lot of work done on uh, WNL, but uh, we also were able to focus a lot on fundamentals and, you know, give our younger guys a lot of reps. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a really productive bye week. It was one of the most productive bye weeks that we've had. And then, I, you know, we gave the guys some time off on uh, Friday and Saturday and uh, came back Sunday and got back to the work. But uh, I think it's been a good two weeks. I mean, we'll see how we play on uh, Saturday. But uh, so far, it's been uh it's been good. So, Coach, WNL comes in. They come in with a two-game losing streak. The Hail Mary pass at the very end of the game at Emory & Henry, which stunned the Generals. They had a 21-point lead late, and it disappears, and they lose at home to Bridgewater last week. You could see a team that's on the fall, or you could see a very hungry team, a wounded animal, so to speak. How do you prepare for a situation like this? Yeah, I, mean, I think you prepare for it like you prepare for anything else. I mean, I, I can't. You know, really worry about or think about what their what their psyche is going to be. I mean, I, all like we can do is worry about our own football team. And you know, like I said we had a good week of preparation uh, leading up to this uh, game. And uh, you know, I think our kids are hungry, and I think our kids are you know still feeling like we haven't played our best football on either side of the ball. And you know, I, I think that we've looked for a lot of improvement, and I think that improvement uh, has happened in the last couple of weeks. So I'm I'm kind of excited to see what uh, what kind of a product we're going to be able to put out on the field. Coach, a lot of the players who were on defense last year and the win in Lexington back here this year, the defense obviously the the biggest part of the story of the season so far. With the experience of knowing that they can handle the uniqueness of of the Generals' offense, how's their mood and vibe coming into today? Well, I think it's good. I mean, I think that you know, first of all, you know, we we played this uh, game last year without Calvin Whitehead, so this is the first time in his uh, career that he'll actually get to play against WNL. He was hurt in 2017, and he was uh, hurt again last year before this game. Uh, D'Angelo Barr went out early in this game last year, so he wasn't healthy during this game. So you know, we've got some guys that uh, didn't get to play last year that were you know we're excited about having on the field um but uh yeah our defense has uh, played really well I, I mean it's a challenging offense to defend i think they're doing even more stuff this year than they did last year they've kind of expanded their package a little bit they're doing a lot more stuff out of empty and you know a little bit more formationally i think jack pollard their quarterback is playing at a really really high level uh he's a good runner really good athlete but he can throw the ball really as, as well as any quarterback they've had since charlie westfall and uh so they, they you know they're they're like your typical wnl team i mean they 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 have an identity they know what they're good at and those are the teams that are the most challenging to face to be honest with you coach now the offense we know that they have not put together the complete game as of yet you mentioned on our post-game show after the win up in buena vista over southern virginia uh that you had um some positives coming out from the offensive line that you've decided uh, on kind of where you want to go with the line as we move forward because as the line goes so does the offense go and and again they need to look at that complete game how's it looking there up front I think it's looking really good. I mean, you know, Matt Matt Hale being able to step up and, and play center for us. He's a freshman right now. I think that gave us the ability to move some pieces around. And, uh, the, you know, we, we become a lot. I mean, because of the personnel moves that we've made, we're a lot more athletic up front right now than we've been. Okay. And that's been huge. And I, I thought that line that played in the uh, Southern Virginia game is probably the best line that we're going to be able to put out there you know hopefully jake warnell is going to get healthy this week and be able to rotate in there so you know i i do like that group of guys i mean they're 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 pretty uh, athletic they're strong you know they know their stuff 
But uh, yeah, the, the the key link in that whole thing was Matt Hill being able to you know step up at center and you know give us the ability to move some parts around. I'm I'm really happy with that O line. We got two good tight ends. You know Trey's uh, hopefully back to 100 percent now. You know, and uh, you know it takes time to <clears throat> get the quarterbacks to play at a certain level, and I, I hope we're going to get better play out of our quarterback and out of our receivers. I mean, I think we should after the two-week uh, period that we've had. Coach, final question, and that's on something you mentioned a moment ago: hunger. Have you seen an increase in the hunger in this team? Uh, do they realize the fact that to win the ODAC championship, they're going to have to play at a higher level these next three weeks than they did prior to the bye week? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to answer that question after the next three weeks you know I mean I like our kids I think we've got great kids here I, I say it all the time it's the best part about coaching here you know we get to coach great kids and uh, you know I think they worked hard I think they you know we're starting like I said I think a lot of it for us has just been you know staying staying healthy and developing some continuity I mean I think a lot of the issues that we've had on offense you can attribute to you know kind of had a revolving door at that offensive line position you know mm-hmm. and, you know we've had some some change-ups at quarterback and we've rotated a lot of skill guys but uh I think I think we're in a good spot right now, and I feel good about where we're uh, going to be after these uh, next couple weeks. Coach, good luck today against Washington and Lee. Thanks for your time here on the pregame show. Yep, thank you. Back with the kickoff. It's just moments away. Washington and Lee, Randolph-Macon from Dayfield back after this timeout. This is Randolph-Macon College Football on 102.9 The Mater. Buy your next truck from Luck. Luck Chevrolet on Route 1 has a truck for your lifestyle and budget, including the new Trail Boss Silverado. The Trail Boss has a special off-road package with a Rancho shock lift, unique blackout rims with aggressive tires, and a 355 horsepower V8. Check out this bad mamma jamma online at LuxChevrolet.com. Call 798-9261 for details, then stop by Lux Chevrolet for a test drive. Lux Chevrolet, since 1916. Marcos, quickly becoming your go-to place for Randolph-Macon football after the games. It's Marcos Italian Restaurant, Bar and Grill, 805 England Street in Ashland. Marcos, open Monday through Thursday, 10.30 to 10.30, Friday and Saturday, 10.30 to 11, and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. So when do we say, chicken. Make it Marcos for lunch or dinner or order takeout, 804-299-3454. Macon Battles Bridgewater, Saturday at 1230, only on the Mater. And fans, that could be a game for the Old Dominion Athletic Conference Championship. But first things first, the captains are meeting here in the middle of day field on top of the Yellow Jacket logo. And we'll get set to find out who gets the football first as it's almost time for Washington and Lee Randolph-Macon. One of the more storied rivalries, Marty, of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. These two have had some classic encounters, and these two are always in the discussion each year when it comes to championship football. And I think the last decade or so with Washington Lee, with Coach Abel, who left, is now at Davidson, but really sort of turned their program around. And you're right, for about six or seven-year window, the winner of the ODAC had to go through Lexington to, to get to the championship. I think the Jackets have fought their way back, and have now we're, I think we're in a position where folks are going to have to beat Randolph-Macon to hang a championship banner for the ODAC. But two proud programs. It's uh, We won up at Lexington last year, tied the series at 32 wins apiece, mm-hmm. so it's uh, very even over the course of history. And you think about that win last year, that was, that was kind of one of that first tests 
that Randolph-Macon seemingly had week after week after week on the road to the ODAC championship and their appearance in the NCAAs. And now that test comes a little bit later in the season, becomes it almost, it feels like the start of a second regular season here, Marty, with this three-week stretch. They were able to overcome the Johns Hopkins loss. They were able to win six in a row, despite not playing their best football in all three phases. The defense led the way. They've put themselves in a position to hoist another trophy. But now in this final stretch, you've got to get the job done. And Rob, when you look all the way back to the game between these two last year, I think it was a big confidence builder for Randolph-Macon. We had not won up there in almost a, a decade, I think. So you win that ball game, and it builds the confidence quite a bit. And that's what it gives you the springboard to play the rest of the season. It takes you into the NCAA tournament play, and you turn and look at this year, you challenge yourself right off the bat against Johns Hopkins. A very close ball game, a game that we had at possession late in the game that if you score, you could actually win that game. And now you've run off a series of wins, and you've got yourself right back to where you need to be, uh, that your destiny's really in your own hands the fact if you were to win today and then win uh, out against Bridgewater and Hampton Sydney you're going to be going to the NCAA playoffs again after hanging another ODAC championship banner Washington and Lee has won the toss and they have elected to defer they'll get the football to start the second half it'll be Presley Egbers and the Yellow Jacket offense getting the football to start Jordan Foster is headed out to take care of returning duties Anthony Williams back in action today and he is out on special teams as well as we get set to get back to ODAC action after the one week off. And that's great to see Anthony Williams back. He's been out for at least uh, four weeks, I guess, mm -hmm. and just uh, he's back in uniform and healthy and out on the special teams. And Washington really struggled last week. The opening kickoff, Bridgewater returned it for a touchdown. It gets called back because of a penalty against Bridgewater, but DeMassey, who got his hands on the ball, took it the distance, and uh, they struggled in special teams and quite a few different uh, chances last week. Jared Wright has it teed up at the 35-yard line. We are underway at Dayfield. Foster at the 1. Looks up the middle, 10, 15, 20, 25, upended there. And that's where the Yellow Jackets will start. First down and 10 with Presley Egbers making another start. The freshman at quarterback. Trey Frederick back in, the starting tailback. And Coach Arusa very excited about the line that he was able to assemble two weeks ago against Southern Virginia. They're back out there starting today. I think he has some options now, Rob. For the, a couple weeks, it was who's available, mm -hmm. who's healthy. Can you patch a, a line together? Now that everybody's sort of back, he has some options as far as who he wants to play along that offensive line. Extremely excited about Matt Hale, the freshman center, 77. First and 10 from the 25. Give it to Trey. Goes left side. Tries to get around the corner and is able to get... About three to the 28-yard line. Frederick entered the game this afternoon. Already, of course, the Randolph-Macon and the Odak's all-time leading rusher. Leading uh, uh, rushing attempts in uh, the conference at 865. So that was 866. He's at 4,738 yards as we kicked off here this afternoon. Gain of three, second and seven from the 28. Three receivers here to the near side, which includes Foster. Egbers fakes it to Frederick. Over the middle, pass is tipped and incomplete. Tried to run a slant pattern in the middle of the field, and someone in the defensive line just got up and batted that ball down. Didn't see who got a hand on it. It looked I, like 40 I, came up with I, it yeah, off the bounce. I, I'm not sure if it was Murphy who got the hand up, but the, when the ball bounced off the turf, he had it. But definitely, Egbert's trying to throw into a tight window, and, and Washington and Lee doing a great job just getting up the hands. If you're not going to get penetration, try to make it as difficult as possible to get that football across the line. And Bridgewater had some luck attacking the middle of the field with tight ends last week against this Washington and Lee defense. 
So it's third down and seven from the 28. First third down opportunity here for the Generals defense to get a three and out. Egbers to throw. Looking, looking, crossing route complete, but no gain on the play. Fantastic work defensively by Fred Benham, the outside linebacker. And it'll be fourth down after a gain of just two to the 30-yard line. And that was DeAndre Gill with the catch. And that was really, Egbers had to go through a progression of read. That's probably his third receiver. He gets it out in the flat, but very good open field tackle that time by Benham to force the Yellow Jackets into fourth and long and a punt. Interesting. One run and then two pass play calls. Generals hold. And on fourth and five from the 30, it's Gavin Stone in to kick it away. Wobbly kick, kind of short, takes a bounce right at midfield. Yellow Jackets need to pounce on it, and it ends up at the 47. So the Generals are going to have fantastic field position after just a 17-yard punt from Gavin Stone with 13.24 to go opening quarter. And, Rob, that starts the, the snap skip back to Stone. He actually had to field that off of a hop, and they did a great job of getting rid of it, but uh, not a whole lot behind that punt. And it took an unfortunate bounce back about four yards, but you couldn't ask for better starting field position for the Generals. So they'll put it officially, the nose of the football at the Randolph making 46 for Jack Pollard, quarterback for Washington and Lee. They'll bring a man in motion. They'll give him the handoff left side and absolutely nothing there. Eric Harris pounding the ball carrier, Kobe Kirkland, for no gain. In fact, a loss back to the 47, second and 11. And you're going to see a lot of great play along the defensive line and linebackers for both sides, both teams today. I think going to try to take away the running game for both teams. Boy, it's all about discipline if you're the Randolph-making defense against this triple option. As they'll send Kirkland in motion, then kick him back, they'll send the pitch. It's Josh Brees on his first carry, and he'll be brought down. A gain of only a yard. Tyler DeBerry comes up with a tackle. And there's a name we haven't called that much this season, Marty. And maybe Tyler can make a big run defensively here down the stretch. And they, uh, the entire defense did a great job of stringing that out. Really nowhere to go. Brees couldn't turn the corner. You seal the edge and then let DeBerry come from behind and make that tackle. So, third down and seven for Randolph-Macon couldn't convert. It's third and ten for the Generals at the Yellow Jacket 46-yard line. Kirkland in motion. Give it to Kobe. Looks, gets a block, gets around the corner, and he gets just enough for the first down. Inside the 35, D'Angelo Barr brings him down at about the 32-33 yard line. One block sprung him. It could have been no gain. Instead, it's a gain of 14. And then it was just a foot race to see if he could get beyond the sticks, and he had a little bit of an angle. But you're right, a block right at the line of scrimmage that takes a defender out gives him a running lane out there to the left side. So they'll put the ball at the 31s. So officially a 15-yard gain for Kirkland. It's first and 10. For the Generals, just under 12 minutes to go first quarter. Just underway, Brees will get the handoff and tripped up at the line of scrimmage. Matthew Vagara, on his way to the ground, extends the arms, gets the legs, second down. And he really forced that back into the middle as well. He makes the tackle, but if he doesn't, he's got a teammate right there because he's done his job and made sure that play gets turned back into the middle where there's some assistance. No gains, second and 10 at the 31. Pollard with one man in motion. Now they'll do the option. Jack will keep it himself, avoids one tackle. And then Brian Sullivan makes the play, but not before Pollard gets inside the 25 near the 23-yard line. That's a very good gain for Pollard, the sophomore out of Douglas Freeman High School in the west end of Henrico County. Going to bring up a third down and short. Unless now we have referees uh, um, talking to one another. 
I didn't see a flag. Did you, Marty? I did not. It looked like also they're bringing in Lachlan, number seven, a different quarterback coming, and he's going to line up wide right. Now another official coming over to talk to head coach Pedro Aruza. They've not moved the down marker yet, even and though the football's been placed to 23. Both teams at the line of scrimmage is as if they're ready to snap the ball, but the official's still talking to both sidelines. Couldn't quite hear that explanation, but no, could. Oh, well, they, there was an inadvertent whistle, Marty, and that's what they were discussing, went to talk to both coaches. The play will stand. It'll be third down and about two. And now a little more conversation between the officials. Yep. They're going to call an official's timeout here with 11-13 to go in the first quarter. And they're going to move this ball back. To the, what's that, the 27, 26-yard line? Looks like the 26, yes, sir. So instead of third and two, it would make it third down and four. And as you mentioned, Trey Laughlin, junior quarterback from Douglas Freeman. Laughlin led him to the playoffs, graduated. Pollard did the same thing, and now they're both with the generals. And it looked like they've got Laughlin lined up out of the uh, slot position to the right side. They sure do. It's kind of a wildcat formation here on third down and four. Kirkland goes in motion, trying to go up the middle, and just enough, I believe, for the first down. That was number 15, 13, Josh McDonald. I think that was right, 13. I, I, we'll get the number here in just a second, but I think that was it's, right. Might be. No, it looks like it's 15. 15, okay. Yep, 15 is Drew Richardson. Okay, right. he's, he's listed as the Makes third, more sense as a yep, quarterback. <laughs> he's listed as the third quarterback on the roster, and he will stay in because he was just short. Looked like he got the first down. He did not. It's going to be fourth and less than a yard. They'll bring a man in motion. He'll look to go up the middle, and he does and breaks the tackle. And on fourth down, Washington and Lee is going to take it in for a general's touchdown. How many times do you see that happen, Marty? You got the tight formation on fourth and less than a yard, and if you break one tackle, you're gone. Jordan Foster had it happen earlier this year for the Yellow Jackets, and now the generals do it and draw first blood. And it's interesting, a similar package to what Coach Aruza runs with Andrew Ely, bringing in a running quarterback. Don't think there was any question that he was going to run the ball. Just a matter of can you stop him. He found a seam and took it to the house for six. Jarrett right on for the point after attempt. The kick is up. And the kick is good. 10.29 to go opening quarter. Washington and Lee takes advantage of a short field. And on fourth and short, break it for a 22-yard touchdown. It's 7-0. 10.29 to go first quarter. Back after this 30-second timeout. This is Randolph Macon College Football on 102.9 The Mater. Massey Wood and West Incorporated has been serving the Richmond and surrounding areas since 1923. Offering the finest in Heil cooling and heating products, depend on them for professional service and installation of standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, gas or oil furnaces by Heil cooling and heating products. Depend on them for all of your cooling needs. Call 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Massey Wood and West. Catch Randolph Bacon football all season long, only on 102.9 The Mater. A big third down conversion for Kobe Kirkland kept the drive alive. And then on fourth and one, 22-yard touchdown run for Drew Richardson, the third quarterback on the WNL roster. 46-yard drive, 7-0 generals, 10-29 to go first quarter. And right, will kick it away, angling toward 
The near side, it's Foster at the 5 to the 10-15. Looks for room 20, 25-30, and then drawn out of bounds. But pretty good field position for the Yellow Jackets. Looks like at about their 32-yard line. But less than five minutes in, Marty, they're down by seven. And, Rob, you mentioned the last series for the Yellow Jackets. You ran it on first down. You threw it on second, third down. Yeah, it'd be interesting if you follow that same pattern here now. That might be trying to get your young quarterback involved in the ball game. He didn't throw the ball all that well two weeks ago. But now do you turn to your running game and see if you can get Trey Frederick involved? DeAndre Gill will go wide to the far side. It's Frederick to the left of Egbers on first down and 10 at the 32-yard line. A quick pass is complete. Got it to Foster. Spun away from one man, spun away from a second, and then caught by a third, and it looks like it'll be at the 31, so a loss of one. Try to get it to your playmaker, but the generals realize just how dangerous Jordan can be. And Dean Johnson, 22, came up and made a nice play, really to hem Foster back in, and really there to make the tackle almost immediately after the catch is made. It'll be second down. Three to the near side here with under 9.50 to go in the first quarter. Egbers will roll. Now kick back and look. Find Foster again on the screen on the far side. Get across the 35, lose his helmet, and go down to the 36-yard line for a gain of five. So from second and 11, they'll go to third down and six. But Jordan's going to have to come out for a play. And Will Corey makes the tackle that time for the Generals. You can see right away you're trying to get Jordan Foster involved in this ball game. You know that the touches he has, really, he's the big play leader for the Yellow Jackets. And unfortunately, not on the field for third and long. So interesting play calling. Five plays so far for this Yellow Jacket offense and four in the air. We talked about how difficult it is to run against the Generals. are only giving up about 70 yards a game. Egbers is all by himself in the backfield. They'll bring Frederick in motion back behind him on third down. Checking, checking. Okay, Trey gets the ball. 35, got to break a tackle to the 40. Out of bounds there. It'll be short of the first down by two yards, and it'll bring up a fourth and two decision here. I think it's your own 40. You really need to bring the punting unit on and play field position, and that's what's going to happen. And that's a nice tackle at the end of that. Fred Benham comes up and makes the play. He knows he has the sideline there to help him with Trey Frederick. If Frederick breaks that tackle, he probably picks up the first down, but Benham gets him, pulls him down two yards shy, and they'll force the punt. They'll need a better snap here on this punt to Stone, only a 17-yard punt because he has, as Marty said, had to scoop it up off the ground to make it happen. Under 8.30 to go here in the first. Much better. And that time, Stone gets off a great punt. Good hang time and a fair catch called for at the 20-yard line by Owen Roberts. And that's where the Generals will start first down and 10, but up 7 to nothing with 8.21 to go here in the first quarter. Fans, we will keep you posted on what's happening with Bridgewater, Emory, and Henry on the Lux Chevrolet scoreboard as things get underway down there this afternoon. Uh, Guilford and Southern Virginia are playing today. Uh, will not affect the ODAC race. Hamden Sydney is on their bye week. Jack Pollard back in at quarterback. It's first down and 10 from the 20 for the Generals, up by seven. Fake the handoff. Jack wants to turn it up the middle. Does for five to the 25-yard line. That's Calvin Whitehead making the stop, but it'll be second and five. And we had a chance to talk to Brian, the member of the SID staff for Washington. He talked about Pollard before the ballgame, how he throws the ball so well. One of the better passers they've had in the last decade or so for the Generals, but also a very accomplished runner. You can see he makes very good decisions and turns the ball upfield and very capable of picking up yards on his own. 
Second down and five. Bring a man in motion. Pollard back to pass, floating and overthrowing his intended receiver, uh, frankly, by a lot. Looking for Kirkland and just wasn't even close. And it'll be third down. And when you use the term triple option, that first down play, Marty, really described it. Uh, He could have kept it himself, which he did. He fakes the inside handoff, which could happen. And he had the option to toss it. And that didn't happen. They picked up about five. Now they need another five on third down to try to keep this drive alive. Interesting to see if they'll go back to the air or if they'll maybe go back to Kirkland like they did in that play a minute ago. We get a penalty marker in. That'll stop play. No, it won't. Pollard is going to throw it, and it's going to be wide open to the receiver, Jimmy Johnson. He's going to go all the way in for a touchdown, but there is a penalty marker on the field, and, Marty, I think this is coming back. Yeah, it's interesting. The flag was behind the line of scrimmage. You can see the Washington Lee offense. Pollard looked like he's standing out there as if he's going to come, expecting it to come all the way back. But not sure if the Yellow Jackets, if there was a whistle or no whistle, but it looked like they might have stopped. I think they did. I thought the play was dead, to be honest with you. A legal shift against Washington and Lee. So it will be a legal shift against Washington and Lee. That's going to back them up and create a third down and long situation. And now here's where your yellow jacket defense has to kind of pin back behind the ears and get going. The football is going to go back to waiting for the officials to put it down back to the 20. So essentially to about the original line of scrimmage. So we'll we'll call it third down and 10. 735 to go first quarter. Kirkland in motion, fake it to him. Pollard, hit and down. Steve McNair gets it going. Tyler DeBerry, part of the party. And a sack for Randolph-Macon creates fourth down. The defense does make the big play. Brian Sullivan also in at the quarterback at that point. But you bring a couple guys, extra guys with the blitz. They're not able to pick it up. And you can see Pollard almost tried to leave his feet to try to get rid of the ball. Lucky that he held on. But the Jackets get a stop. And Jordan Foster is going to be standing at about midfield to field this punt. Bo Sheridan is four yards deep in his end zone. And Foster has to be salivating at the possibilities here. On fourth down and 20. Wobbly kick. Foster's going to back up and let it bounce. It'll take a Washington and Lee bounce into Randolph-Macon territory and be down at the 43-yard line. So in the end, they'll get a 47-yard kick, no return. But by far, this is Randolph-Macon's best starting position this afternoon. At their own 43, down 7 nothing at 6.40 to go first quarter. And after giving up points on the first drive, the Yellow Jacket defense comes back and does their job second time on the field. And you get the penalty, then also the sack, and you end up with pretty good field position. And hopefully the Yellow Jacket offense now can do something with the ball at their own 43-yard line. Still looking for their first first down of the afternoon. Possession number three in this first quarter. Egbers, first and 10 to Frederick. He'll get across the 45 to the 46 That is a gain of three to make it second down. Several generals just kind of colliding in. Dean Johnson came came hustling up from his safety position to get in on the tackle. You can see they rallied the ball very quickly. It's a good defensive squad out there for the generals. Wondering if maybe an occasional draw play might be a good idea to keep that secondary uh, back at bay just a bit. Maybe open up that second level for Frederick. Under center this time. We've got a traditional eye formation. Foster the up back. Back to Trey. Finds room. 
midfield. Cuts back 45 down to the 43. That's a first down for Randolph-Macon. A gain of 11. They're in Washington and Lee territory. And we do have a general down on the field. We'll get an official's timeout with 555 left here in the opening quarter. And, Rob, you mentioned you go to the traditional eye. The up back, the fullback, is Jordan Foster. He gets a great block on the right edge to sort of seal that defender that was crashing down from the left side, and it allows Trey Frederick to find a hole. Once he finds that little bit of seam, he does most of it on his own, but that hole is there because you get that protection, that block from behind from Jordan Foster. And that cutback by Trey to go back up the middle to get two or three more yards near the end of the play, I think, Marty, that's a play that Trey from two, three, four weeks ago doesn't make. Now a tray coming off the bye week and two weeks to kind of get healthy in a couple of games to where they didn't even need to use Trey in the second half in the win over Southern Virginia. Now he's in a position where he can produce his best football when it counts the most. And you're lucky. We've talked all season long about the depth you've had at the tailback position and you're able to rest him a little bit more. So the general uh, injured player getting up off the field, it looked like he's going to be on May to the sideline on his own. That's going to be number 25 there, Davis Waltrip, one of their seniors. Good to see him making his way to the sideline. But, but you're right. Trey hasn't had to carry the ball as much or carry as much of the load as we may have thought coming into the season. And hopefully he is fresh coming down the stretch. So they'll put it at the Washington and Lee 43. That is where the Yellow Jackets have it first down. Their first earned first down of this game. Down 7 to nothing. Five minutes, 54 seconds to go here in the opening quarter. Pistol formation offset eye. They'll bring Foster in motion. They'll flip it to Foster on the pass, trying to find room around the corner. Really isn't much there. He'll get one to the 42, and that will be all. As, again, we were calling Fred Benham's name with regularity. Does a great job to wrap Foster's legs up to make the tackle. And that time, the gen defense does a great job of flowing to the ball. Everybody just flowed to the left side. There's no running room, and then Benham comes in and makes the tackle from behind, but he had Trey Frederick as the lead blocker that time. Really couldn't create space for Foster to find an opening. Look for the Yellow Jackets to run that play again, but make the man in motion the decoy and try to go back to the weak side after drawing everybody to the other. Second and nine at the 42. Egbers fakes it to Frederick. Quick pass complete. Sam Tanner wide open down the sideline inside the 25 and down near the 20-yard line. Great play call there. Tanner wide open and plenty of yards after catch. Yellow Jacket first down at the Washington and Lee 21. And that's a good throw. Quick decision. You find your tight end open. Hit him with it. Let him turn it upfield. And Egbers just looked pretty good throwing the ball early on. You look like you're giving a few more opportunities to try to throw the ball down the field. Right on point with that one. That's a gain of 21, and they're at the 21. First and 10 approaching the red zone. At 4.35 to go first quarter, Egbert's under center. Handoff to Frederick, looks right, and there's just nothing there. Again, the pursuit, Marty, from the general's defense. 88 Oak Mize coming in from the defensive end position to help on the stop. It'll be second down, a loss of one. Also Connor Corbett, and really it's gang tackling. They had three or four guys at that point. It's not one guy out in space trying to tackle Trey Frederick. There are three or four guys around the ball, and really good team defense at the point of attack. Second down and 11 at the 22. As we come up on the four-minute mark, here in quarter number one, Washington and Lee's seven, Randolph making nothing on a 22-yard touchdown run from Drew Richardson on fourth and a yard for the Generals. Egbers fakes to Frederick. 
in trouble and goes down. Oak Mize will get him at the 27. Frederick was supposed to block Mize after the fake, and Mize just shoved him aside and headed straight for Egbers. And that's a matchup challenge out there. The list Oak Mize at 6'3", 220 pounds. And you're right, that is the man that Trey Frederick is supposed to block. But once Mize uh, avoids the block, Nowhere for Egbers to go. Has to sort of duck and take some cover there and goes down for the sack. He was hoping to duck and maybe Mice would go over him and he could continue to play. But Oak very, very patient as well as uh, precise on where he went after Egbers and Presley had no way to avoid it. Third and long. They're back at the 28. It's third and 17. Egbers design quarterback draw. Got a blocker. Gets to the 10. That'll be enough for a Randolph making first down. They'll say knee down at the 11, which is exactly where they needed to be. Washington and Lee saying, no, you got to measure this one. Randolph Macon's saying we're just fine. And that time, if you're going to say that Trey Frederick missed a block on the prior play, this time he's the lead blocker right up the middle and did a great job of clearing some space for his quarterback on that draw. Generals had no idea that that was coming, and a great job by Trey to get out there in space. And they are going to measure. Looks like bring the chains on from the far side. From this angle, it looks like they needed to get just inside the 11-yard line. And looking at the football, it's in the middle of the field, so it's not against either of the hashes. This is going to be a very close measurement. So the Ashland Kiwanis Club chain gang hits the field for the first time this afternoon. They stretch it, and it is short. By about half a football, it looks like? Or? Yes, about six inches. So it will be fourth down and about six inches. And here comes Robbie Owens and Sam Tanner. They're bringing in the big guns. Jordan Foster will check out fourth down and inches. Now on fourth and less than a yard, the Generals broke one for a 22-yard touchdown. Yellow Jackets can get a first down or they could get a first and goal or they could go to pay dirt. Frederick is behind Egbers, who goes under center, and now we get a timeout. The Generals want to talk it over on defense. And we'll take a 30-second timeout with them. Fourth and inches next, 229 to go first quarter, 7-0 Generals back in 30 seconds. This is Randolph making college football on 1029, The Mater. When you're sick, you expect your doctor to be open and straightforward with you about your health. Ferber's Tire and Auto Service in Ashland approaches your vehicle's care in the same way. They're transparent and accountable. They believe in educating their customers on how to address their vehicle's needs. Ferber's will perform a comprehensive diagnostic pictorial health report card and email you detailing the issue. No smoke and mirrors here. Ferber's Tire and Auto Service with two locations in Ashland. Find them online at ferberstireandauto.com and like them on Facebook. The flagship station for Randolph-Macon College football. 1029 The Mater. Well, an early critical juncture here, Marty Wilson, out of the defensive timeout by Washington and Lee. Randolph-Macon has it fourth and six inches at the Generals 11, down 7 nothing. here, 229 to go in the first quarter. And you can see Washington Lee took a timeout after they saw what the personnel package looked like for the Yellow Jackets. There was Egbers in at that point in time with two tight ends. We'll see if the Yellow Jackets change it up. Estes was out there briefly. He comes back, and now here comes the offense, and it looks to be about the same as what they had before the timeout. Frederick Sherlone set back. Egbers under center on fourth down. Handoff. Frederick first and goal at the eight. He gets over the right side. 
Good job there by the tight ends on that right side to seal and allow Trey. All he had to do, fall forward, and he does. Down to the eight-yard line, first and goal. And a couple extra blockers that right side really do make a difference. Gives him a running lane and, and pushes it forward. Now the Yellow Jackets, you pick up that. Now you've got four tries to try to put in the end zone. They'll go to the eight-yard line here on first down and goal. Seven-nothing generals coming up on two minutes to go, first quarter. Trey Owens to the far side. Ricky Mayfield in on the offset eye formation. Frederick the tailback, fake it to him, racing to the right. Egbert's looking, got a man, incomplete. Sam Tanner was open in the back of the end zone, and Presley just did not put enough on the football. Under through Tanner. And it'll be second and goal. He's got to stop and set his feet there a little bit too, Rob. And I think that might have been part of the problem. You've got your tight end sort of sliding along the back line of the end zone and just throws it a little bit short. He gets six more inches of airtime with that ball and it's a catch for a touchdown. And it's not even close. Not even close. Tanner wide open in that corner. That's what I know Egbert's wants back and wants back dearly. But it is second and goal, however, at the eight. They go quickly to the line. The play clock at three. They got to hurry. And we're going to get a timeout. Coach Arusa has to burn a timeout. Very unhappy with how they handled the clock there, the play clock. And first timeout called with 148 to go opening quarter. Uh, Marty, let's check the Lux Chevrolet scoreboard, see what's happening in that other big ODAC showdown. Yeah, right now, Bridgewater on the road at Emory and Henry. That's with 9.54 to play in the first quarter. Bridgewater with the early lead, 7-0. Shenandoah, or excuse me, Southern Virginia with an early 3-0 lead at home against Guilford. And then the ball game that we thought was played last night, Rob, they've changed this up now that Shenandoah what? has a lead. I think that might have been last year's score if we went back and checked, because I thought this game was a 1 o'clock kick, but they're now showing 7.54 to play in the first quarter. Shenandoah with a 7-0 lead at Ferrum. <laughs> we reported that as a final earlier, because that's what the ODAC website was telling me. Uh, right. So, uh, but... Uh, the big ball game that we really care about is the Bridgewater down at Emmer and Henry. Bridgewater with an early lead in that game, 7-0, with 9.54 to play at Emmer and Henry. Didn't mean to sound, uh, you know, kind of snippy there. I just couldn't believe it when I looked over. No, but we both we both seven to nothing. Both of us sort of thought when we saw that score earlier today, going, was that game really played last night? Because that's not what we thought. Second and goal. At the eight, here comes Foster in motion. Egbers, fake to him. Presley will keep it. Up the middle and into the end zone. Touchdown. Randolph making yellow jackets. There's the fake. Draw Foster to the left. Draw the defense that way. Egbers up the middle. Eight-yard touchdown run. And we're an extra point away from a tie game. And two big running plays by your freshman quarterback. He picks up the first down when it was third and 15, I believe, up the middle. And then runs it in for a touchdown. Jack with a chance to tie the score with an Extra point. Here's Chris Vidal out of the hold of Andrew Ely for the point after try. Into Birdsong Hall. The kick is up, and the kick is good. 142 to go first quarter. We are all squared at 7. Back after this 60-second timeout, this is Randolph making college football on 1029 The Mater. Injuries happen when we least expect them. Whether from sports, work, or just because we're getting older, pain affects the quality of our life and limits us from performing our normal daily activities. But there is help at Ashland Physical Therapy. The physical therapists at Ashland Physical Therapy combine knowledge, skill, and experience in using the latest in evidence-based rehabilitation techniques to help you recover. Conveniently located in the Ashland Hanover Shopping Center in Ashland. Don't put up with pain. Visit Ashland Physical Therapy in Ashland. Ashland. 
When you're sick, you expect your doctor to be open and straightforward with you about your health. Ferber's Tire and Auto Service in Ashland approaches your vehicle's care in the same way. They're transparent and accountable. They believe in educating their customers on how to address their vehicle's needs. Ferber's will perform a comprehensive diagnostic pictorial health report card and email you detailing the issue. No smoke and mirrors here. Ferber's Tire and Auto Service with two locations in Ashland. Find them online at ferberstireandauto.com and like them on Facebook. Back to the action. Randolph making college football on 102.9 The Mater. General's head of steam. There's a fumble. A fumble at the 35-yard line on the ensuing kick. Yellow Jackets are saying they've got the football. They unload the pile, and they do. They do. On the return, Alex Wirtz at the 14 on a dead run, Marty, and it looked like he had big running room up the middle, and then the ball gets up at the 35-yard line, recovered at the 36, and the Yellow Jackets get the first turnover of this afternoon. Well, the first contact on Wirtz up the middle, he get hits and he gets spun around, and ball Ball comes loose up in the air and it bounces once and Yellow Jack was able to dive on it. So you put seven points on the board, Rob. You come right back and get a turnover, a chance to add to your total there. And this is really what they've seen the last couple weeks. Yellow Jackets creating turnovers. Tommy Salvato gets to wear the hard hat with 132 on the back. He gets the recovery. First and 10, Frederick cuts left. Good running room. First down and more down the sideline inside the 25 to the 24. That was a great play by Trey. Man, what a split-second decision, Marty. Was supposed to go up the middle, saw some room left side, and it's a yellow jacket first down. And that's what his speed will do for you. He recognizes right away, Rob, that there's nowhere to go up the middle where the play is designed. Immediately takes it to the outside and gets around the edge there and picks up good yardage. But that's not where that play was designed to go. This yellow jacket sideline is jazzed. It's first and 10 at the 24. Egbers back to Trey up the middle. Gets five. They're in the red zone again. They're at the 19-yard line. It'll be second down and five after, again, Fred Benham on the tackle. Not really deflating, you would think, for the generals. That wasn't a long drive. They were on the field for just a moment ago against the Yellow Jacket offense, but you give the ball right back and, and, and on your own end of the field, and your defense has to come right back out again. And, you, and this is Randolph-Macon. They, they know the psyche of the generals right now based on what's happened to them the last few weeks. They need to take full advantage here. Back to Frederick. Gets to the 15, just shy of the first down off left tackle. It'll be third down and about a yard and a half. Remember, Marty, three, what, two weeks ago today, the Generals were unbeaten in ODAC play, and we're up 21 points at Emory and Henry, looking to go to 4-0 in the conference ahead of their Bridgewater showdown, and the Hail Mary win for the Wasps changed their entire season. And now their ODAC hopes have been dashed, and their psyche could be damaged. Egbers will keep it himself. Get up the middle. Get inside the 10. Down to the 5, but the football comes out. And it is a general's recovery. I was wondering if they were going to say Egbers maybe was down in the ground, caused the fumble, but the official right there looks at it and says, Washington and Lee Ball. And what a break for the Generals. They'll take it over at the six-yard line. And obviously, Rob, no replay here at the Division Three level. But he took a shot, and he was going down. I thought maybe the ball came out because of contact with the ground. But very decisive call on the part of the uh, the 
fish heading crew out there, and you can see the Yellow Jacket defense fired up as they take the field. They know that they turn the ball over, but they've got the generals pinned deep in their own territory. Well, and they just showed the video replay of the play in the stadium, and that's why the Yellow Jacket um, members here on the sideline went crazy. They were like, look at there, look at there. On first down, handoff, Kirkland goes nowhere. In fact, he may lose a yard back to about the five-and-a-half-yard line as we go to the end of a wild first quarter. 7-7 the score. We're back after this 60-second timeout. This is Randolph making college football on 102.9 The Mater. Buy your next SUV from Luck. Did you know that there are six different SUVs to choose from at Luck Chevrolet? From the economical tracks to the people-hauling suburban, Luck has an SUV to fit your needs, including the return of the all-new Blazer with six different trim levels for true personalization. See all the models online at LuxChevrolet.com. Call 798-9261 for details. Then go to Luck Chevrolet for a test drive. Luck Chevrolet since 1916. Massey Wood and West Incorporated has been serving the Richmond and surrounding areas since 1923, offering the finest in Heil cooling and heating products. Depend on them for professional service and installation of standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, gas or oil furnaces by Heil cooling and heating products. Depend on them for all of your cooling needs. Call 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Massey Wood and West. The Yellow Jackets play here on 1029 The Mater. Second quarter underway, second down for Washington and Lee, but pinned back to their own six-yard line as they'll pitch it to Kirkland, trying to go around left side. Anthony Williams is there and able to make the tackle, looks like, at the nine-yard line, and that's going to bring up a third down and eight with the game tied seven apiece. Both teams with a turnover. Both teams with a quarterback run for touchdowns. That's a dangerous call there, Rob. You're flipping that ball deep in your end zone and, and trusting you're going to find a hole to be able to work your way out. So third down from the nine-yard line. Tons of moving and shifting. Pollard now all alone. I think there's some confusion as to where they're supposed to be. Kirkland seems a bit bewildered. They went to bring a man in motion, and now there's going to be a timeout call by the Generals. Yeah, they did not understand what was supposed to be happening here, and Coach has to call the timeout with 14-17 to go in the half, which gives us an opportunity to remind you, fans, a big halftime report coming up in just a moment, including some very, very special guests. And, Rob, as we mentioned the pregame, it's Hall of Fame induction night here for the Yellow Jackets, so the class that will be going in will be Aaron Reedy, Meehan, class of 2002. Matt Meehan, her husband, class of 1999. Mike Wolfick, a member of the uh, football team from 1978. And Amy Bechtel, who is a member of the women's soccer team and basketball team. All four of them being inducted tonight at 6 o'clock. But we're happy to have at the half with us tonight the husband and wife duo who are being inducted uh, tonight. Aaron Reedy, Meehan, and Matt Meehan will join us here in the booth. I saw Matt a couple weeks ago. He was the MC for the Friends of Basketball Dinner. But nice to have them both with us here at the half. What a great, I mean, to be able to, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame with your your spouse now first time in randolph bacon history that is that is insane what an honor third down and eight out of the general's timeout 
at their nine. Pollard to pass. McNair provides pressure. He's flushed out of the pocket. Throws down the field. Finds his man at the 25. Kobe Kirkland is able to extend the play and get open. And what a huge third down completion for Washington. And you got to give a lot of credit to Pollard. He was being chased in his own end zone and knows he's got to get rid of that. But the presence of mind to look down the field and find an open receiver. Kirkland comes back to his quarterback and allows that completion to be made. That is a 19-yard play. Gets them out to the 28-yard line. So they've got breathing room now. First and 10 for the Generals. Handoff right up the middle. It's Breeze. He'll spin around one man. Sullivan will help bring him down at the 31, maybe the 32-yard line. So for Josh, it'll be about four to make it second and six. And that big pass play, Montgomery Owen has been their big play uh, receiver for most of the season. Not able to play in the first half. He was ejected in the second half of last week's ball game. So you'll see him in the second half today. But they're able to move the ball down the field without their big target on the field. So second down and six from the 32-yard line. They bring Kirkland in motion. Fake it to him. Nope, they give it to him. And looking around left side, and there's Eric Harris again, making a fantastic tackle for a loss of one, maybe two yards to set up another third and long for the Generals. And Harris makes a great play. That's really right. Him out in space again, making a difficult tackle, and just sort of chops the running back down. I'll say this, Pollard does a great job faking because it looked like he had that football running up the middle. And I think if he had kept that, he had some room to, to run up the middle. So third down, they'll call it third and six, no gain. Pollard back to pass, swing pass, Brees, and it's over his head. Incomplete. Just kind of a lack of communication on that one. That one never had a chance, and it'll be fourth down, and the Generals will have to kick it. And Eric Harris was closing fast as well. I think if Brees makes that catch, he's going to have to shed Harris to pick up any yards down the field. But Jack, that defense rallies and gets the stop, and they'll now force the punt. Eric Harris has really played some good football here as part of this Yellow Jacket defense this season. Good to see, as you mentioned earlier, Anthony Williams back in there making a tackle after missing about four weeks due to injury. Here's the punt. You've got Foster back at the 30 at 12.45 to the half. This one high wobbly but returnable at the 34. Foster looking for room. Ganged up at the 37, and he'll go down there. He was looking for that one block to spring him, but that just did not happen. But the bottom line is Yellow Jackets get the football back, and it'll be first down. And Foster comes up a little gingerly. And that is not good news as he limps a bit to the sideline. And they'll come and check on Jordan immediately. Yeah, look like he's favoring that left ankle. Tried to stay up and get what he could, but ended up with three or four tacklers draped around his legs. And that's kind of one of the dangers of being someone in that position when you're fighting for an extra yard or two. You could get twisted as you're trying to spin out of one tackle and then head into another. Hopefully Jordan is okay. First down. And 10. Egbers hand off Frederick. Design play left side. One block gets him to the 38, but that's going to be all. A half yard, if that. What patience there by the right side of the Generals' defense. And Parker Corley, their freshman outside linebacker, comes and forces that back to the middle, runs to the outside, seals the edge, and Trey Frederick cannot turn the corner. He forces it back up into the middle. And they've done a great job. The front seven for the Generals are really rallying to the ball and making tackles against the running game for the Yellow Jackets. And that's why. They only average giving up 2.1 yards per carry, leading the ODAC in that department. 12 minutes to the half and a 7-7 tie. Second and 10, Egbers, quick pass, complete. Trey Owens, and he'll have enough for a Yellow Jacket first down, making a spin move to get down to the 49. That's a gain of 11 
First down, Randolph-Macon. At the end, he slid just around number 23, Kyle Wood. It looked like to fall forward for that first down. You know, Trey's had some big plays this year. If there's going to be one receiver that kind of breaks out here down the stretch and really gives Egbers that man he could really count on, I got to tell you, Trey Owens is in prime position to be that player. And they need it. They do. And it's actually DeAndre Gill lining up wide right back in the ballgame as well. And, and Gill wearing number 19 rather than three fans. The longtime number he had, Frederick up the middle patiently across midfield, gets down to the 45 for a nice gain of six. On first down and 10 at 11-10 to go in the half, tied at 7, second and 4. And, Rob, we mentioned the generals only giving him about 70 yards a game on the ground. Yellow Jackets ran for 67 yards in that first quarter. So having some success on the ground, first quarter, that's Trey Frederick had 41 yards of his own. Presley Egbers also had 26. He was 6 of 8 for 32 yards in the air. Second and four here from the Generals' 45. Offset eye formation. They give it to Frederick, trying to find some room. Robbie Owens was trying to find a way to block and get him a seam, and it just didn't develop very well, so Trey did what he could and gets about two to the 43 to set up third and two. And, you know, big drive here as we're tied with 7-7 with 10-32 to play second quarter. But, you know, Jackets, it looked like they're trusting that offensive line up front. Uh, they've won some battles up front thus far, and, Going to see if they hand the ball off to Trey Frederick, see if he can pick up the two to keep this drive alive. So third down and two at the Generals, 43. 10-15 to go in the half at 7-7. Frederick to the left of Egbers. Presley going to keep it himself. Up the middle, across the 40. First down, Randolph-Macon to the 39. I'm really liking the poise of Presley Egbers here so far this afternoon, Marty. And when you run that way, Rob, he's the one guy who's really not accounted for. that. You can see they picked up Trey Frederick. He'd been taken out as he's trying to come to the left side. And then you let your quarterback just sort of find a spot. Great blocking up front. He has the patience to find the right hole and picks up the two yards. He's been very impressed running the ball early in this ballgame. Bridgewater has scored again. First quarter up at Embry and Henry, 14-0 on the Lux Chevrolet scoreboard. We'll keep you posted on that one all afternoon. Yellow Jacket ball at the 39. Hand off Frederick. Oh, man, he just ran into a wall. Falls forward for a yard to the 38. There was just simply nothing there. Connor Corbett leading the charge there in the interior line for the Generals. And they've been very good up front. And Corbett makes a great play. They're really nowhere to go. And I think you keep pounding at that because for every one of those that they've had, the Jackets have had a little bit more success chipping away. You can't completely go away from the running game, but certainly the General's doing a great job of trying to take that away. No, because if you're physical and athletic in your condition, you should win the war in the fourth quarter. Be in a position to win the game that way as the Yellow Jackets have done so many times. Egbert's back to pass. Got plenty of time. Gets his tight end complete. Robbie Owens inside the 35. That'll create a third and kind of short situation. Looks like they'll say at the 33. So that'll be third down and four. Nice play there by Egbers to get what they could get. Right, and they really haven't had time or the opportunity to throw the ball down the field. So when he, he's doing a nice job of reading the field and getting the ball out, not taking a loss and trying to pick up what he can, even though most of it's been a part of a short passing game. Referee on our side, down where the Yellow Jackets are all congregated, couldn't see exactly where it was ended. They put it at the 32, so it's a third and three. Here for Egbers with 8.30 to go in the half. Presley looking to run it again. Got blockers. First down 30. Cuts up 25. And down near the WNL 20-yard line. Patience, Marty. 
Oh, is he just showing great patience and precision is Presley Egbert's the freshman. And that's got to be part of their game plan coming in for the Yellow Jackets. You know that their generals are difficult to run against, but that's really when you're handing the ball off. You've countered by running your quarterback, and that time he makes a great cut to get inside of number 30, Andrew Browse, the senior defensive back, and he picks up a good bit of that on the end of that run on his own. They've taped up Jordan Foster. He's heading towards Coach Arusa. He's standing right beside him right now saying, okay, Coach, I'm good, I'm good. In the meantime, Justin DeLeon, in is the up back on the I formation. Egbert's under center. They're at the 20. First and 10. Here's Trey. Cuts up the middle, but drawn down from behind. Short gain, 90 on the tackle. That's Jay Roberts, the senior from White Hill, Tennessee. It'll be second down and about eight. So you change it up. You put a different fullback in there with DeLeon. It's nice to see if Jordan Foster is able to come back into the ball game, but Jackets sort of methodically moving the ball down the field this time, Rob, mixing a, a couple short passes, but primarily it's the running game, both Egbers at quarterback and Trey Frederick from the tailback. And they're chewing time off the clock. They're getting first downs. Foster back in, part of three wide to the far side with Gill and Trey Owens on this second down at eight. They'll bring Frederick in motion. Fake it to him. Egbers up the middle, gets across the 15, down to the 14-yard line, maybe the 13. They'll say knee down at the 14. So that makes it now a third down and four. And, Rob, that looks like you just try to spread the field. You put so many receivers out there, it forces the defense to spread out and cover them, takes a lot of guys out of the box and gives a running lane for your quarterback. And Egbers has done a great job of not being – he's been very patient as far as trying to wait and find that hole, hasn't pressed the issue, waits for the, the hole to develop, and then finds running room. 15 on the play clock, and they're still in the huddle, so they need to break pretty quickly, and they do coming up to 10. 6.35 to go in the half in a 7-7 tie. Third down, about four and a half. Foster in motion. Fake it to him. Egbers up the middle. He'll get the first down right at the 10-yard line. It should be first and goal, and it is for Randolph-Macon with 6.22 to go in a 7-7 ball game. And that seems to be the game plan that you know that it's a difficult team to run against, but you're you're running your quarterback. You're getting great blocking up front. Your tailbacks with Foster and Trey Frederick also throwing some key blocks, but Egbert has thrown well today, 6 of 8 on the ball game, or actually I think 6 of 9 or 7 of 9 after that completion to Owens, but really running the ball well. So they'll be lining up this particular play with three to the far side. Trey Frederick is out to the near. He comes in motion, fake to him. Egbers that time will go down. It's a loss of six. What incredible pursuit from Robert Poindexter, the freshman from Atlanta, Georgia. It was as if he said to himself, I'm keen on Egbers. I don't care what else happens. And he comes on block at that point in time. I think you bring Frederick in motion. That I think you're trying to sort of stop the defense or stall them for a moment. Watch him. Poindexter had none of it. Came right at the quarterback. Big stop for the generals. And now the Yellow Jackets push back to their own 15-yard line, it looks like. Yep, going to be second down and goal at the 15, a loss of five. Make that the general 15-yard line, not the Yellow Jackets' own. By far and away, the best individual defensive play so far this afternoon by either team. Egberts, back to pass, looking, passes tipped and incomplete. Trying to find Sam Tanner, who was open in the end zone, but Sam Murphy, the Douglas Freeman product and one of the heart and soul members of that defense for the Generals, gets a hand on it to make it third and goal. And we think he's the one who had the batted ball at the line of scrimmage early in the ball game as well, so doing a great job in pass defense. And the Jackets all of a sudden find themselves back. To it's going to be interesting now, Rob, that if you don't convert here, you're probably going to have to bring the field goal unit on. So third down and goal from the 15-yard line. 
taking some time to get this play call in. And they're going to have to call timeout and talk about it. Yeah, play clock was down to nine. And so Randolph-Macon will use their second timeout with 5.03 to go here in the first half in a 7-7 tie. We'll take a 30-second timeout. 7-7 here at Dayfield. Back in 30 seconds, this is Randolph-Macon College Football on 102.9 The Mater. Quickly becoming your go-to place for Randolph-Macon football after the games. It's Marco's Italian Restaurant, Bar and Grill, 805 England Street in Ashland. Proprietor and chef Sal Galina welcomes you. Pretty special people stay with that. And I have a lot of compliments for everybody, special travel people. They never eat a meal like that. told me right on my face. Make it Marco's for lunch or dinner or order takeout, 804-299-345. Randolph-Macon battles Bridgewater, Saturday at 1230, only on the Mater. Right now, the battle is with Washington and Lee, and Randolph-Macon out of their second charge timeout, face third and goal at the 15-yard line. They were at the 10, Poindexter with a great tackle for loss on Egbers. Presley, back to pass, has time, looks corner of the end zone. It is caught. Is he inbounds? Yes! Touchdown, Randolph making Yellow Jackets. He needed one foot down inbounds, and he gets it. DeAndre Gill from 15 yards in the back quarter of the end zone by the scoreboard. And for the first time this afternoon, Marty Wilson, the Yellow Jackets out in front. That's a good throw by your quarterback. He puts it where only Gill's going to be able to make the catch, but Gill has to go up secured, and he makes sure he gets one foot in, not a whole lot of room in the back of the end zone, gets the foot down, Jackets get six points. I tell you how Gill was able to get that one foot inbound. I will never know because he had very little real estate to work with. The point after from Vidal is missed. No good wide right. Vidal missed an extra point and a field goal in his return against Southern Virginia two weeks ago. Makes his first extra point this afternoon. But Marty misses this one. 13-7, 457 to go in the first half. And it really just, despite the fact you missed the extra point, that was a very good drive for the Yellow Jackets. Took a lot of time off the clock. And one of the things you want to do is manage and really win the time of possession battle. And you end up with points. And a good throw from your quarterback. Great catch in the back of the end zone by Gill. But you come out of that with points. And for the first time, you've got a lead. And the pressure sort of shifts. And now it's on the shoulders of the generals. We spent a lot of time on the Lux Chevrolet pregame show today, Marty, talking about the defense and how well they played against against WNL last year about the bye week, about getting people healthy, the offensive line getting set, Trey at 100%. But I really felt like the number one question coming into this game would be how well would your freshman quarterback play? And so far, you have to give him a very high grade as he has been able to lead a couple of touchdown drives. And really, just not through the air. He's been probably your primary ball carrier. I would think at the half, we'll see he's probably our leading rusher. So really beating the generals in a lot of different ways. No doubt about it. Ensuing kick taken at the five-yard line, near side, 15-20, and that'll be it. That'll be all. Cade Jones, who stepped in so nicely for Anthony Williams as he was hurt, back now to his customary number 13 to make the tackle. And they really came down with a lot of speed on that, (laughs) that cover. Everybody fired up on that kick coverage team. And the Yellow Jacket kick coverage team has done excellent this season. Yeah, they're really great. You've got a lot of guys out there that are starters, but the guys really take a lot of pride in their kick coverage. So the football at the 20, first and 10 generals down by six, just under five minutes to go here in the first half. Kirkland goes out in motion. It's a handoff up the middle. 
And five to the 25 for Alex Wirtz, his first carry of the afternoon. It'll be second down just outside the 25-yard line. And they've got Lachlan in again wide left. Their backup quarterback lining up as a receiver out there to the left side. Pollard, Douglas Freeman grad. Laughlin, Douglas Freeman grad. Sam Murphy on the defense, the exact same. Kirkland comes in motion. They'll fake the inside handoff. Pollard will keep it. Eric Harris is able to get a foot and drag him down for a loss. Back to the 23, and we have a penalty marker on the field. And that's what we talk about with assignment. Football, the assignment on that play is Eric Harris to cover the quarterback, and he does so. And we'll see who the penalty is against. 4-17 to go in the half, and that is encroachment against Randolph Macon. And so take the TFL away for Eric Harris. Advance the football to the 31, and that will be enough for a free first down. Not many penalties again this year for Randolph Macon, but that one's not a good one. And that's a tough one because you had a tackle for loss, as you mentioned, putting them deep behind the change. You give them the first down instead. Would have been third and long instead. First down and 10. Laughlin will go in motion. Pollard will keep it around left side. Get down to the 34-yard line. Brian Sullivan on the stop after a gain of three. Clock under four minutes to go in the half and a 13-7 Yellow Jacket lead. And running to the short side that time, Yellow Jacket defense flowed well. Not a whole lot of running room out there for Pollard. Really, the onus right now in this game is on the front seven. We haven't called many, you know, D'Angelo Barr, Stephen Richardson. We haven't called their names yet at all today. And Calvin White had very little. This front seven's getting a workout. Second and seven from the 34. Man in motion. Sullivan will pick him up. Inside handoff, Wirtz. Spinning, trying to find some room, and can't. He'll go down and fall forward. He got more than I thought he did, Marty. I thought he was down to the 35, but he was able to squiggle and fall forward to the 37, make it third down and four. And couldn't see who the yellow jacket was at the bottom of the pile that had a arm, both arms around his ankle, just not letting go. So third and four. Wirtz and Laughlin will come out here to the near side. Kirkland is on this side, too. Certainly, they'll bring somebody in motion. They always do, and there's Kirkland going. This time, Richardson has the ball in on the design quarterback play, and he'll be stopped short just before the 40-yard line. And this will be a very interesting decision for the Generals. It'll be fourth and a yard and a half with 2.43 to go, and they're going to elect yep. it. Well, at this point, they're going to line up to kick it away. Didn't hesitate to bring the punt team on. You can see the team changed very quickly, but... They all really have to be cautious about the fake. Yeah, you never know. Bo Sheridan, their senior punter, the left-footed kicker. Foster, who came up gimpy a little while ago, got taped up, is back in. He's back at his 20-yard line. Under 2.20 to go in the half. Remember, the Generals get the football to start the second half. Sheridan kicks it away. Very high kick. Foster. Fair catch at the 18-yard line. Boy, what hang time there by Sheridan. That was a beautiful kick. Yeah, we, we've talked about the fact trying to keep the well, the opponent trying to keep the ball out of the hands of Jordan Foster. This time you let him field it, but you kick it so high that the coverage is there. He has no choice but to call a fair catch. And so far they've taken Foster and his punt return game out of the game for the Yellow Jackets. 41-yard kick, no return from Bo Sheridan to put the Yellow Jackets at their own 19-yard line with one timeout and... 205 to go here in the first half. Would you like to get points here? Absolutely. Uh, do you just make sure you don't turn the ball over? Don't give the Generals a chance to score late and have the ball to start the third quarter. On first down from the 19. Egbers 
to Frederick. He's able to get a couple. Sam Murphy is in there. One of two generals on the stop at the 21, second and eight. The running up the middle has been very tough. The most you're going to get is probably two or three yards each time. Haven't had a whole lot of success of getting Trey Frederick to the outside against this general defense. Connor Corbett helping out on the tackle as well. Second down and eight, 140 to go. Back to Trey, and again, nothing. He'll be lucky to get back to the line of scrimmage. Andrew Frailer, 54, doing a nice job working around his blocker to grab a hold of Trey. And the Generals will wisely use their final timeout here with 134 to go in the half. Third and long coming up for the Yellow Jackets and Washington Lee thinking they might get the football back. And the last two plays, the Washington Lee defensive line has won the battle at the line of scrimmage and really just taking away, shedding a blocker and making a tackle. No running room for Trey Frederick. Going to force situation. Interesting call for Coach Aruza right now. Does he let Egbers throw the ball down the field or do you hand it off and try to punt the ball away? Uh, the Generals know that they if they get a stop, they get the ball back. About 1.34 left on the game clock. But uh, do you turn and let your freshman quarterback throw it down the field? Maybe a safe throw to one of your tight ends? Maybe. Exactly. Kind of like the play they got to Tanner for 21 yards earlier in the half. Lux Chevrolet scoreboard fans. Bridgewater on a roll. Now up 21-0 at Emory and Henry. First couple of minutes of the second quarter. Bridgewater at 5-0 in the conference. 7-0 overall. Yellow Jackets 5-0 here in the Yodak. 6-1 overall. And they play each other in the Shenandoah Valley next Saturday. Third down at eight. Out of the timeout, it's an empty backfield. Egbers, quarterback draw. Up the middle, slides down. But he started the slide a bit short at the 28. He could have gotten that first down without a problem, Marty, if he just fell forward. But instead... It's fourth and one. Well, you, you teach him to slide to protect himself. But he started to slide a little bit too early, and you're right. I think that's the right call. The official from the, the sideline comes in and makes that call. They're going to say he was stopped or he slid a yard shy, and that'll force the punt team on for the Yellow Jackets. So now they're going to let the play clock go down probably to about one, and they might even call their final timeout here. And Coach slaps Egbers on the back of the helmet, a la Leroy Jethro Gibbs on NCIS. And I don't think it was as much about bonehead as it was about learn from that. And here's the timeout with one on the play clock and 47 seconds left in the first half. So the Generals will get the football in a little bit of time, but they won't have any timeouts. 13-7 Randolph-Macon. Hopefully you got to protect first to get the punt over way and, and then really play defense for a couple of, and the weird thing is for the generals they're not a big play offense as far as they are throw the ball down the field it's going to depend for washington lee where they get the ball as far as what they're able to do they won't have a whole lot of time to work with but i think first thing it starts with you got to protect your punter make sure he gets the ball out of there no doubt about it so coming out of the timeout it'll be fourth down for gavin stone in the punting unit yellow jackets 13 Generals seven Stay with us at halftime, fans. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll update you on the scoreboard. We'll look at the stats. But Marty's got fantastic halftime guests on a very special day here at Randolph-Macon. Hall of Fame weekend. The 1989 ODAC champions are in the house. It is a great day to be a Yellow Jacket. Stone on the punt. Gets it away nicely. Beautiful end-over-end kick. It'll be taken at the 30, and Calvin Whitehead is big again on special teams. He takes down Kyle Wood. 
And Generals will have the football, but only 39 seconds to work with, and they got to go 71 yards to tie the game. And we made a comment just a moment ago, Rob, but I have a lot of starters on your special teams. There's a starter on special teams. Boy, you hustle it down and make an attack on. He's right there at the point of attack as soon as the ball is caught, spinning the uh, ball carry to the turf. And great play on special teams by Calvin Whitehead. And he's right back out there heading up this defense on first down and 10 from the 29-yard line. Kirkland goes in motion. They move in that direction. Pollard will keep it, and he'll be gained. Tackled back at the 29. It's back to the line of scrimmage. Holy cow. Tavian Anderson in there on the stop along with several other yellow jackets. There were three or four guys that ended up on top of Pollard. You see Pollard getting up a little bit slow, but chose not to pitch the ball and then really paid the price for that after that decision. And because of that, the generals are thinking, you know what? We get the ball to start the second half. They may put one more play on here. It's down to 10 seconds and the clock is running and they're showing no uh, sense of urgency here. Five seconds, and we'll go to the half. The generals will say, we'll uh, talk about it and get the football in the third quarter. Fans on their feet, cheering the Yellow Jackets as they head back to the locker room, and at the half, Randolph making 13, Washington and Lee 7. We'll take a two-minute timeout. We'll come back. We'll go over halftime statistics. We'll update the uh, ODAC scoreboard with courtesy of our friends at Lux Chevrolet Route 1 in Ashland. And great halftime guests coming up as well, fans. Halftime here at Dayfield, 13-7, Randolph-Macon. Back in two minutes, this is Randolph-Macon College Football on 102.9 The Mater. At Randolph-Macon College, your education begins with your future in mind from your very first day on campus. RMC has added men's volleyball to its lineup of now 18 varsity sports. Yellow Jackets, led by exceptional coaches, have earned national rankings and won ODAC and NCAA conference victories and championships. Visit us online at rmc.edu to schedule a campus tour, a personal interview, or to RSVP for one of our fall open houses. Randolph-Macon College, building extraordinary futures. Injuries happen when we least expect them. Whether from sports, work, or just because we're getting older, pain affects the quality of our life and limits us from performing our normal daily activities. But there is help at Ashland Physical Therapy. The physical therapists at Ashland Physical Therapy combine knowledge, skill, and experience in using the latest in evidence-based rehabilitation techniques to help you recover. Conveniently located in the Ashland Hanover Shopping Center in Ashland. Don't put up with pain. Visit Ashland Physical Therapy in Ashland. Ashland. When you're sick, you expect your doctor to be open and straightforward with you about your health. Ferber's Tire and Auto Service in Ashland approaches your vehicle's care in the same way. They're transparent and accountable. They believe in educating their customers on how to address their vehicle's needs. Ferber's will perform a comprehensive diagnostic pictorial health report card and email you detailing the issue. No smoke and mirrors here. Ferber's Tire and Auto Service with two locations in Ashland. Find them online at ferberstireandauto.com and like them on Facebook. Buy your next truck from Luck. Luck Chevrolet on Route 1 has a truck for your lifestyle and budget, including the new Trail Boss Silverado. The Trail Boss has a special off-road package with a Rancho shock lift, unique blackout rims with aggressive tires, and a 355 horsepower V8. Check out this bad mamma jamma online at LuxChevrolet.com. Call 798-9261 for details, then stop by Luck Chevrolet for a test drive. Lux Chevrolet, since 1916. The Yellow Jackets play here on 1029 The Mater. Halftime here at Dave. 
Bay Field on a sun-drenched November Saturday. Along with the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Marty Wilson. Rob with them along with you on WHAN Ashland Richmond, W275BQ Ashland. We're at the half. Randolph making 13. Washington and Lee 7 and some very interesting halftime statistics here. Marty Wilson, a team in the generals that allow very little offense on the ground. Yellow Jackets have done a pretty good job there, and they've done a phenomenal job in time of possession. Really, you look at time of possession first, Rob. 1924 for the Yellow Jackets versus 1036 for Washington and Lee. Washington and Lee runs a total of... Uh, 21 plays in the first half for 80 yards to so the Yellow Jacket defense getting it done. And, and as you mentioned, the general's coming in only giving up 70 yards a game of rushing defense. Yellow Jackets ran the ball 25 times for a total of 106 yards on the ground in that first half. And really, Trey Frederick and Presley Egbers, both guys getting it done. Frederick, 15 carries for 55 yards. Egbers, 10 carries for 51 yards in the touchdown. So getting your quarterback involved in your running game, and it's proven to be a pretty good formula for the Yellow Jackets in the first half. Uh, they average uh, giving up just 2.1 yards a carry. Do the Generals entering this game this afternoon. A quick uh, dividing here in the, the old man's mind, 25 for 106. That's a bit over four yards a carry. So Yellow Jackets, uh, you know, you go into this game and you're thinking, okay, if they're giving up two, we could get four carry. We're going to be very happy with that because if you average four carry, you're going to get first downs, and that's exactly what the Yellow Jackets have been able to do and really save one play, one play, that fourth down at inches where Drew Richardson breaks it open for the 22-yard touchdown run for the Generals' only score. This defense has done a phenomenal job. I think you're right. I think that's the that's what the general defense is built around. They get you know, probe, 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 and then finally they break the big play, and that's what you're always having to defend against, but they get the one big play for their quarterback and a score. And you think about the Yellow Jackets, after the turnover that the Generals gave enough making the ball inside about the 40-yard line, and you're driving, and Egbers coughs it up, a play that we looked at on the replay that may or may not have actually been a fumble. You're down inside the 10-yard line with a chance to add more points, so the Jackets had a chance of maybe building a bigger lead, but you really got to be happy with the approach today. Defense, you knew they were going to get the job done, but you're thinking about the fact offensively you found some ways to run the ball against a pretty good defense. Uh, we we you know, set aside that touchdown run. It's 20 plays and 58 total yards for the WNL offense in half number one. Egbers 9 of 12 for 64 yards, and, and really the prettiest pass of them all is the touchdown throw in the back left corner of the end zone to DeAndre Gill. And what a job by Gill, draped in coverage. We just saw a picture of the touchdown grab a moment ago uh, where he was able not only to win the 50-50 ball, but find a way to get one foot in bounds to give the Yellow Jackets the lead. And that's a tough catch. He's got a defender right underneath him. And you saw the picture there. Four hands up in the air. The two hands around the ball were, were Gills. He's got to secure that. And they'll also come down and get one foot in bounds as the rule is in college. But Egbert does a great job. If that ball's not caught, it's going to sail out of bounds of that back corner. But giving his receiver a chance to make a play. And Gill goes up and hauls it down for six points. So the Yellow Jackets up 13-7 at the half. Frederick with 55 yards in the first half. That You're make me do math here at this yes, point. Yes, <laughs> let's do a little math, shall we, here, Marty Wilson, in terms of where he stands all time. He's getting close uh, to 4,800 yards. He entered this afternoon at 47-38. Yeah, so that's going to put him at 47-93, if I'm adding the yes, math there. so Yes, sir, and he's up to 880 carries, extending his ODAC uh, record there. 
Yeah, so and really we mentioned the fact he's fourth on the uh, Virginia career rushing list, already first in the ODAC, first in Randolph making history as well. But his tremendous career continues. He's been a big part of the first half, and I think he's going to continue to be a big part of the success that the Yellow Jackets have for the rest of the season. And uh, I can see two of our halftime interviews are making the way. Aaron Hauser is going to kindly escort them up. So we've got a couple minutes before they get here, but. Um, ODAC scoreboard, Bridgewater yes. leading right now 21-3 to uh, with 10-20 to play second quarter. Bridgewater winning over A.M. and Henry 21-3. to Other scores in the ODAC, Guilford losing on the road at Southern Virginia. Southern Virginia with a 16-0 lead. And then a tie ball game, 14-14 with 10-33 to play in the second quarter. That's between Shenandoah and Ferrum. And as Rob mentioned earlier, Hampton City on their bye week this week. So that's all the action around the ODAC. Randolph-Macon at Bridgewater next Saturday. The game, Hamden, Sydney, Randolph, Macon, here at Day Field, two weeks from today, as the Yellow Jackets, by my count, look for their sixth consecutive win in that storied rivalry. We're going to take another two minute timeout, and when we come back, great halftime guests with Marty as we celebrate Hall of Fame weekend here at Randolph Macon College, and we'll get you set for second half action. Randolph Macon 13. Washington and Lee's seven. Back in two minutes, this is Randolph Macon College Football on 1029, The Mater. Massey Wood and West Incorporated has been serving the Richmond and surrounding areas since 1923. Offering the finest in Heil cooling and heating products, depend on them for professional service and installation of standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, gas or oil furnaces by Heil cooling and heating products. Depend on them for all of your cooling needs. Call 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Massey Wood and West. Marcos, quickly becoming your go-to place for Randolph-Macon football after the games. It's Marcos Italian Restaurant, Bar and Grill, 805 England Street in Ashland. Marcos, open Monday through Thursday, 1030 to 1030, Friday and Saturday, 1030 to 11, and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. So when do we say soft pizza, pizza, pasta, 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 chicken? Make it Marcos for lunch or dinner or order takeout, 804-299-3454. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 of pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 800-204-0145 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 800-204-0145 to take your call now. Call 800-204-0145. That's 800-201-0145. Again, 800-204-0145. It's time for the Halftime Report. Catch up on first half action, the ODAC scoreboard, plus Marty's special halftime guest. Now back to the field for today's Halftime Report on 1029 The Mater. Well, 
Welcome back to Dayfield. The Yellow Jackets of Randolph make it with a 13-7 lead at the half over the Generals of Washington Lee. And as promised, as Rob and I talked a little bit about in the first half, it's Hall of Fame weekend here on campus for Randolph making And we're lucky enough to have two of the Hall of Fame inductees here with us in the, in the booth for our halftime guest. Husband and wife being inducted into the Hall of Fame tonight. And we uh, tell you, we've only got two headsets. So we'll, we'll, the way we'll work this, I'll talk to Aaron Reedy Meehan first, and we'll bring on Matt afterwards. But first off, Aaron, thank you for your time this afternoon. Great weekend for you guys, and congratulations on your induction. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having us. 2002, graduate of Randolph-Macon. How did you come to find Randolph-Macon, and what was your path to show up here on campus? Uh, I actually decided to visit here with my friend from high school, and her brother actually went here, and he was a junior. So I visited with her one weekend and actually met Matt when I came that weekend oh, wow. with my friend. Um, and I just like the school. I like the campus. I think I watched the team a little bit. Um, and that was really that was how I found right off again. So in the course of your career, you graduate in 2002. You were three-time first-team all ODAC performer for women's lacrosse, 2002 ODAC Player of the Year, graduated as the career goal scorer for uh, lacrosse with 256 goals, including 91 goals as a senior, two ODAC championships during your career, and two trips to the NCAA tournament. So pretty accomplished career, and I know you have a lot of great teammates, but uh, that's a heck of a run in four years for the women's lacrosse team while you were here. Yeah, it was great. We had a great group of girls, and, um, you know, our, our coach, Missy, she was awesome, and uh, we really just loved the game and loved to play, and that's really what it was, great teammates um, and a great coach. And we you talked about your senior year. I know that you win an ODAC championship in that ballgame. If I understand this correctly, 2002, you're down big to Washington Lee in the championship ballgame. I had heard that maybe down by as many as five or six goals and rally back and uh, win that ballgame in overtime 12 to 11. What was that like as a senior to come back and win that? Yeah, that was a really incredible game, obviously. Um, my friend, actually, Angel Bism, was reminding me the other day what happened. And the momentum of the game changed, and we got a goal, or I think I fouled, got a foul, and I was sitting out, and I came back in, and we just kind of rallied together. And um, we had beaten the team before, so we knew it was possible. We just, uh, I don't know how we fell behind so much so quickly, <laughs> looking back, but it was a great game. And still to this day, a lot of people have said that's like the greatest sporting event they've ever witnessed so that's pretty cool and, and wow to be uh, that sort of propelling you into the ncaa tournament that year as well so it's nice you get to, to play in two different ncaa tournament championships what was that experience like for you yeah that was cool it was obviously a different experience one being when i was a senior and i think one when i was a fresh or a sophomore um being a captain and that was a really cool experience um and again it was a two really different teams uh one year a lot of players ended up not coming back, so we were literally walking around campus asking people, hey, have you, you want to play lacrosse? We need some girls on the team. So it was just a really cool year and a really great experience. It's really fun to be back with all this. Well, I, We're talking here with Aaron Reedy Meehan, who will be inducted into the Hall of Fame tonight. So when's the last time you were back on campus? Have you seen all the changes here on campus? Right. I came to the alumni game last year, um, and that was the first time I'd been back in a a long time. I hadn't seen any of this. I hadn't seen the stadium, the bird song, all of this, the new rooms, all of that stuff. So, I mean, before that, it had been, I think, like 10 years, maybe. So, you know, being up in that room just now, I had never even been up there. It's nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah, overlooks the stadium. It's great. Well, we appreciate your time today. We're going to transition at this point in time. Okay. And congratulations tonight with the induction. I know you've got a lot of family and friends back. I'll have you hand the headset over to Matt okay. and uh, talk a little bit about Matt, Matt okay. who will also great. be inducted tonight. Great, Th thank you. Thank you for your time. 
So as we mentioned, husband and wife being inducted tonight into the Hall of Fame. First time that's ever happened in the Randolph-Macon Hall of Fame history. So Erin Reedy Meehan, class of 2002, being inducted for her work on the field for Women's of the Cross. And now we turn to Matt Meehan, class of 1999. As a basketball player, Matt, you finished sixth on the all-time scoring list, fifth on the all-time rebounding list, three-time all first-team All-ODAC, uh, looking at two NCAA tournament appearances, including a Sweet 16. And heck of a run for you as well, and I know that uh, we had a lot of your guys back over the last couple of weeks. You were the MC the last two years for the Friends of Basketball Dinner. You did a great job with that, by the way, uh, about a week ago. But uh, talk about your experience and how you came to Randolph-Macon. Well, first I have to say what Aaron didn't say, which was that game against WNL um, was the game that um, they won in overtime. But Aaron had six goals in six minutes, oh. I think. <laughs> and they tied it, and then she was in Sports Illustrated's uh, faces in the crowd. So oh, wow. That was kind of neat. But, um, yeah, I had – say my, my story is a, is a very rare story I, I came to randolph macon because of sean macklin he was a year ahead of me we were best friends in germany and he would call me from ashland to tell me how great the school was so uh by the time i talked to coach nunley he asked me if i wanted to come and uh what i hadn't told a lot of people was i had heard from 12 schools they all said no i oh, can't wow. play basketball here but coach nunley offered me a spot to play basketball or at least a chance to play and um and so i came i had never been on campus i had never met coach nunley in person, the only person I knew was Sean McLoon, and uh, I guess you could say the rest is history. It worked out well. I know you and Sean are still pretty tight. I know he he was the uh, keynote speaker for our Friends of Basketball dinner last year, and I know you're still pretty close with him. So, uh, and you've got how many folks do you have coming back tonight? I know between the, the two families, it's got to be a pretty big crowd. Oh my gosh, it's so it's so neat to see everybody back. Um, friends, family, uncles, aunts, um, just people we played with, coaches. It's uh, I think there's close to 40 or, or 50 people here, and it's just um, such an honor. I mean, we haven't felt this way since we were married, so it's kind of like a little mini uh, reunion, so to speak. It's really neat, because I know that tonight will uh, very well done. It's a very special evening here on campus, and it's just a, a nice feeling to be, find that you've been recognized for what you were able to accomplish, and just uh, a very, both very well-deserving, and just congratulations. Big night for you guys, and Thank I'll you. be there tonight to, uh, to watch you guys get inducted, and just you, uh, um, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing to see what you guys have done. It, it's Historic in the fact that it's husband and wife going in the first time, so it's very special that uh, you guys get to celebrate that as as a couple. Yeah, so, thank you, Marty. So, well, Matt, thank you for your Appreciate time. It. Thank you very Thanks much. For and us. Look forward to it. That's our conversation with Aaron Reedy Meehan and Matt Meehan. Both will be inducted in the Randolph Bacon Hall of Fame tonight. Uh, we're going to send it back to the commercial to the station for a two-minute commercial break. Yellow Jackets leading here at the break, 13-7. to 7. You're listening to Randolph-Macon Yellow Jacket football on 1029 The Maiden. At Randolph-Macon College, your education begins with your future in mind from your very first day on campus. RMC launched several new programs, such as a nursing major, show choir, an ensemble, an esports program, and men's volleyball. The college now owns a nearby Coventry Farm to support its thriving equine team. Visit us online at rmc.edu to schedule a campus tour, a personal interview, or to RSVP for one of our fall open houses. Randolph-Macon College, building extraordinary futures. Injuries happen when we least expect them. Whether from sports, work, or just because we're getting older, pain affects the quality of our life and limits us from performing our normal daily activities. But there is help at Ashland Physical Therapy. The physical therapists at Ashland Physical Therapy combine knowledge, skill, and experience in using the latest in evidence-based rehabilitation techniques to help you recover. Conveniently located in the Ashland Hanover Shopping Center in Ashland. Don't put up with pain. Visit Ashland Physical Therapy in Ashland. Ashland. 
When you're sick, you expect your doctor to be open and straightforward with you about your health. Ferber's Tire and Auto Service in Ashland approaches your vehicle's care in the same way. They're transparent and accountable. They believe in educating their customers on how to address their vehicle's needs. Ferber's will perform a comprehensive diagnostic pictorial health report card and email you detailing the issue. No smoke and mirrors here. Ferber's Tire and Auto Service with two locations in Ashland. Find them online at ferberstireandauto.com and like them on Facebook. Buy your next SUV from Luck. Did you know that there are six different SUVs to choose from at Luck Chevrolet? From the economical tracks to the people-hauling Suburban, Luck has an SUV to fit your needs, including the return of the all-new Blazer with six different trim levels for true personalization. See all the models online at LuxChevrolet.com. Call 798-9261 for details. Then go to Luck Chevrolet for a test drive. Luck Chevrolet since 1916. The flagship station for Randolph-Macon College football. 1029 The Mater. here at Day Field, along with the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Marty Wilson, Rob Witham, along with you on an absolutely gorgeous fall November Saturday, the 2nd of November, and the beginning of a three-game stretch that will make or break Randolph-Macon's 2019 season. Marty, they have won six in a row. They're tied for first in the ODAC. They have a six-point lead as we get set to start second-half action with the Generals getting to football to start the third quarter. And, Rob, I think you say you took care of business in the first half. You were down by the first score. The Generals score first off of that 22-yard run by Drew Richardson. You come back and add two touchdowns of your own. The only thing you would say is that the fumble cost you maybe extra points, and then you certainly missed the PAT. But I think if you get the same effort out of your defense in the second half that you did in the first, I think you're going to be okay. And it's been interesting to see. We talked about Presley uh, Egbert not having the, the greatest ball game two weeks ago down at uh, Virginia uh, Southern Virginia, right? Uh, coming back, throwing the ball well today, but you've added him to your running game. I think he's looked very good running the ball, and he's made some very nice throws. The touchdown throw that he throws in the corner of the end zone for Gill is just a great throw. So you're out allowing your quarterback to contribute in different ways this week. Arguably the best throw Egbers has had since he took over as the starter several weeks ago back at Ferrum. That all kicks it away from the 40. It's very high, but it's short on a dead run. Run taken at the 18, 20, 25, 30, 35, and down to the 39-yard line. That's a great return from Alex Wirtz, and it was developed because Vidal's kick was high, but it was short, and Alex started sprinting at about the 10 to pick that football up with a head of steam, and the Generals start in good field position at their own 39. Yeah, he was really at full speed when he caught that ball, and really nobody hits him for the, about the first 10 yards of the run back. And that's how you counter the great return effort defensively of the Yellow Jackets on special teams. First and down and 10 at the 39. Straight handoff this time. And up the middle, Brees has running room. It's a first down. Jukes to the left, inside the 40, inside the 35, and all the way down to the 30-yard line. Marty, you mentioned Josh on our pregame show after a breakout freshman season. Hasn't had a lot from a statistical standpoint, but that's the danger of that young man, the junior. And, Rob, when you look at him, he set the, the single-season rushing record as a freshman, over 1,800 yards. And you think, well, he's going to just continue to add to that. Coming in today, he was under 400 yards on the season and really hadn't that many touches. But that shows you just how dangerous he is. He picks up 31 there. First down and 10, Pollard back the pass, looking, and it's caught. About the 21-yard line. 
reception made by Montgomery Owen, who is now in the game after missing the first half, after being ejected for uh, – was it targeting last No, I think I don't know what it was, but it was, they said he was ejected late in the ballgame. I don't know whether um, a personal foul or what it was, but he was unable to play in the first half of this ballgame. And he will bring a special nature to this passing attack for the Generals on second and one. Fake it to Brees. Pollard will take it. He'll get enough for the first down. DeBerry brings him down at about the 18-yard line, but quickly the Generals are in the red zone first and ten. When they get Owen back, they did not have him in the first half, and he's averaging about 25 yards a catch on the season. So he's certainly their big play receiver. And you add that to that, you, the first play you get Brees out in space. Two big plays offensively for the Generals on this drive. Without Owen, Pollard one of three for 19 yards passing in the first half. Fake to Kirkland. Pollard to keep it, and he will be stacked up. And there's DeBerry again. It's a loss back to the 22, and it'll be second and 12. And if you can continue to do that, Rob, will you make him make a difficult decision? And when he ends up keeping the ball, you're able to trap him behind the line of scrimmage. Really, you've had a couple negative plays. We had one erased early in the ballgame because you had an offsides penalty. And now it will be a victory for this defense if they could hold him to a field goal try from the Washington, excuse me, the Randolph-Macon 22. It's a second down and 12. Brees will get it, and he will get hit and brought back down at the line of scrimmage. Tavian Anderson was on his knees when he made the initial contact. And, and really, just guys fighting through blocks at the line of scrimmage. Both defensive lines have played well today, really doing a great job of stopping the run. So third and 12. Let's keep a focus on 10. Montgomery Owen here to the near side. Brees is also out there as well. They need the 10 for a first and goal. Man in motion. Pollard looking to pass, looking down top of the end zone, and it's Richardson on the defense. He knocks it away from Brees at the goal line. Incomplete. The defense does its job, and the field goal unit is coming on. And that time, Richardson had good inside position. Brees tries to come back over the top and make a play on the ball, but couldn't fight his way through Richardson. So that'll bring on Jared Wright to attempt the field goal. He's 3 of 4 on the season with a long of 41. Well, this one will be a 39-yard field goal attempt from the right hash mark. High snap brought down. The kick is up, and the kick is no good. He missed it wide right. And the Yellow Jacket defense hold, and Randolph-Macon will take over still with a six-point lead with 12.20 to go third quarter. So you give up two big plays on that drive, Rob. They, they catch by Owen and the run out in space by Brees, but then you finally get two negative plays against their offense, push them back and force a missed field goal. So not the prettiest effort, but you get the job done, you get the ball back, and now the Yellow Jacket offense, first time to take the field in the second half. And now let's see how the offense looks here in this second half after putting on a pretty good performance in half number one. First and ten, Frederick's your lone setback. Egbers will go under center. Jordan Foster, tight end, goes in motion. A fake. Egbers. Looking to throw, underthrows the pass, but Justin DeLeon is able to figure that out, come back to the football, and catch it at the 45-yard line. That wasn't pretty, but it got the job done, first down. And the awareness by DeLeon to turn and find the ball in the air, turns his head back to the quarterback, sees it's underthrown, and fights his way back. Does a great job of getting through a defender to make that catch. If cornerback Matt Dotson figures it out a couple of seconds early, turns around and sees the ball, he may have had a better chance at maybe intercepting that pass, but he never looked back, and it gave Daly on the chance to make the adjustment first and 10 at the 45-yard line. Egberts gives it to Frederick. 
trying to find some room and only gets a yard to the 46-yard line. Nice work there. 69, Phil Davis, the nose guard, helping out on the stop for the Generals. It'll be second and nine. And there really hasn't been a whole lot of running them all day long through the middle of that general defensive line. 46-yard line on a second down and nine for Randolph-Macon, leading 13-7 with 11.20 to go in the third period. Generals drive down the field but miss a 39-yard field goal try on their opening possession. Two to the far side, including Gill. Handoff Frederick. Finds some running room, gets to midfield, and falls forward near the 48-yard line. Nice running there by Trey and some pretty good blocking coming out right side to Marty to make it third and three. And a little more success when you start that play out to the wide side, then he makes the choice to cut it back up to the middle and finds a hole. But you've had more success trying to run wide against this defense. So they need the Generals 45 for a fresh set of downs. With the clock coming up on 10.40 to go here in the third quarter in a 13-7 game. Play clock at 15. Just getting the play call in now. Break the huddle. 10 on the play clock. Frederick to the right of Egbert's. Gill here to the near side. Tight formation. Presley wants to keep it. Looks up the middle. Falls forward. And it's going to be a spot situation here, Marty. He's close to the first down. And it's right in front of us here. Let's yeah. see what they say. They're already moving the chains, it looks like. The line judge, I think. Yes. Well, you're right. The line judge put up one finger, and they are moving the chain across the field. First down, randolph Macon, but boy, it was close. And this time he dove. Uh, the last time we talked about <laughs> the first half where he slid, and they start, they mark you down where you begin your slide. This time he dives head first and made sure he got to the 45-yard line. Situational. If you can do that safely, you do it. Yes. So at the general's 45, it's first and 10. Egbert's. Frederick, left, cuts right, falls forward, gets two. Not a lot available there, so you get what you can. And again, Fred Benham in the middle of the defense for Washington and Lee. And they've been really good. They've defended Trey Frederick much better. You've had a little more success running your quarterback, Egbers, and see whether you maybe turn to your quarterback to run the ball again here. Gill out, DeLeon in. Justin has been used as... A couple of different ways here this afternoon. Jumbo package here right side. Handoff Trey Frederick, and he's bounced at the line of scrimmage. A fantastic play from 32 Will Corey, their leading tackler. The 5'10", 210-pound senior to make it third and long, third and eight at the 43. And, Rob, originally I thought the Yellow Jackets had a good play call there. Oak Mize broken in the backfield, but he came from the left side, and Trey Frederick was already off and running around the opposite end. But uh, great play there by Corey to really almost pick Trey Frederick off, off the ground and take him to the turf. Immediately getting to him. So it's third down and eight. At the 43 of Washington and Lee, we are already down to 8.40 to go in the third quarter. 13-7, Randolph-Macon. Tanner moving from left to right. Egbers to throw. Over the middle, and it's incomplete. Intended for DeAndre Gill, but give Kyle Wood credit. He gets a hand on that football and knocks it away. And that's actually a pretty good throw. The defender gets a hand in and knocks it away, but it's right on the mark. that If it's going to be caught, Gill's going to catch it. He might continue on into the end zone at that point, and the ball was on a line. It's a good release by Egbers, but a better play defensively by the backside of the general defense. Perfect description there, Marty. A good throw, a better defensive play there by Kyle Wood, and it's fourth down. Now, uh, Stone in, and they could pin the generals deep here. That's what you want to try to do. 
They'll set up for a return. Stone's kick is very high. Fair catch called for the 15 and will be taken there by Owen. And it'll be first down Washington and Lee. They'll say forward progress to maybe the 17-yard line. And now back to the work uh, goes to the Yellow Jacket defense in the six-point game, 8-23 third quarter. And again, defensively, you're going to have to constantly battle against the big play opportunities for the generals. They're going to pound the ball at you, and suddenly someone breaks into space. And that's uh, up until last year, that's the formula that they had used to beat the Yellow Jackets a number of times. First and 10. Generals at their own 17-yard line. Pollard, handoff, up the middle. Three yards to the 20, looking to see if that was Wirtz on the carry. And it is, and it, yeah. was, it was. Wirtz in, and a gain of three to make it second and seven. Right into the heart of that Yellow Jacket defense. Eight minutes to go third quarter in this six-point game. And a very fast-moving game. It's only 2.30, and we're coming up on halfway through the third quarter. From the 20, it's second and seven. Kirkland in motion. Fake it to him. Pollard wants to go around the right side. D'Angelo Barr slows him down. He gets across the 25 near the 27. It's going to be very close to first down yardage. Nice patience there by their quarterback, Jack Pollard. And both quarterbacks are a nice job of running the ball here today. It looked like, are they going to move the chains? They are. He looked like he fell forward. They're going to give him the first down on the carry. They will, right at the, uh, the nose of the football, right at the hash mark of the 27-yard line. That's what they needed for the line to gain. So move the chain, first and 10 at the 27 for Washington and Lee. Their second possession of this third quarter. First one in it in a missed 39-yard field goal try. Kirkland in motion. They'll run the option, and Pollard will keep it himself and grab a couple to the 29-yard line. DeBerry is having himself an afternoon. He's in there helping out on the stop, second and eight. And Rob, one thing I noticed offensively for the Generals, the play call comes in, and then everybody looks at a wristband. They've got plays on their wrist. You can see they're doing it now. I'm not sure if that means that they've changed things around. They might have some new plays in their playbook. You figure this is week seven. There maybe some new wrinkles that they're looking to on their wristband. Very possibly so. Kirkland in motion again. Pollard back to throw. Looking downfield, far side. Got a man, Owen, but overthrew him. He had turned Anthony Williams who had, 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 was having trouble trying to get back to Owen, but that one's Pollard's fault. Yeah, I think Owens is open. He runs a good route, creates space and separation from the defensive back, and a good throw, and they've got a big a chunk of yardage on that play. Just not a great throw. Misses him probably by five feet over his head. Would have been into Yellow Jacket territory, and if Owen had been able to keep in bounds and turn up field, it could have been big time. But instead, third and eight at the 29. Kirkland in motion, Pollard to throw, looking, looking, throwing over the middle, got a man, and just overthrowing his intended receiver, Trey Laughlin, going down the middle of the field. They had opportunities on two consecutive plays there, Marty, but Pollard just wasn't able to dump it in like he needed to. And you could see immediately Anthony Williams turned and started talking to Stephen Richardson. I think maybe it's some confusion about how a man gets that wide open down the middle of your defense. Maybe a missed assignment, but talking it through there at the end. But Jack has sort of dodged one at that point, and they'll force the punt for the Generals. Yeah, they dodged not one but two bullets there on second and third down. And Anthony Williams is back in punt formation for the first time in over a month. Good to see him there. Here's the kick. Wobbly, short, fair catch called for by Williams at about the 38-39 yard line, and that's where the Yellow Jackets will take over. Now, Anthony started the season as your starting punt returner. Of course, Jordan Foster's been electric. It does make you wonder if they took a second look at Jordan's uh, ankle at the half 
And uh, we'll have to see if we see him in any action here, Marty, or whether they may have shut him down for the afternoon. Yeah, it might be interesting to see whether he gets any snaps on the offensive side of the ball because they might have looked at that ankle and said, okay, enough. We don't want to risk him for the rest of the season. But it's nice to have the experience you can put back there with Williams. But the uh, fact of the matter is, without uh, Foster back there, probably not for the right reasons. It's, it must mean that that ankle is a little bit worse than we thought. And we do not see him. Out on the field on first and 10 at about the 38-yard line. Egbers looking to throw. He's going long. He's looking for Gill, and it's incomplete. Yellow Jackets want a flag because 23, who made such a great play earlier, Kyle Wood, never looked back for the football. And I believe what the officials are saying is that the ball was underthrown enough to where DeAndre couldn't have made the play, second and ten. Well, it's interesting they go back to that same play we ran on the last set of downs. They're taking a shot down the field and didn't throw the ball down the field all that much in the first half, but they recognize they've got an opportunity. Maybe they like that matchup with Gill out there will lined up wide left. Kind of reminds you of the opening drive two weeks ago, uh, David Wallace playing such a big role in, at uh, Southern Virginia in the 20-point win there. Handoff Frederick, bounces it left side, turns the corner. He's able to get maybe a couple to the 40-yard line, and that's going to set up a third down. Marty coming up on 6-10 to play here in this third quarter. Still 13-7 Randolph making. Will Corey hustles up to get in on the tackle for the general defense, and no surprise there. He is everywhere for this, yellow, for this uh, general defense, no doubt about it. Corey, Sam Murphy, Fred Benham has had a great day. They've got maybe the best linebacking core in the conference. They've been very impressive today. Third down and eight. At the 40. Trips here to the near side. Fake the handoff. Passes passes batted into the air. And it will be incomplete at the 48-yard line. Kyle Wood kind of slipped, I think, there, Marty. Otherwise, he might have had a beat on the football. And I think that second, same play we ran to open the, the drive of the ball game, trying to find your tight end to the middle of the field. And the second time, a hand comes up and bats that ball down. So I think Tanner's open, and the throw looks like it's on a line. But that's the third deflected pass that the generals get credit for the second time it's happened at the line of scrimmage. So the defensive struggle continues. 5.41 to go in the third. Stone into punt. Owen back at the 22-yard line. Low snap handled by Gavin. Beautiful punt this time. Fair catch called for at the 24-yard line by Owen. That's where the Generals will take over. First down and 10 with 5.35 to go in a fast-moving third quarter. We still are at 13-7. Randolph Macon. Just a punt fest here so far in the, <laughs> yeah. in the third quarter. Punters are doing a nice job. I think yes. part of they're having a, a very good afternoon, uh, really not allowing any returns on their high punts, but uh, neither offense really able to sustain a drive here so far in the third quarter. And the closest was the Generals' opening drive, which ended with the missed 39-yard field goal try, trying to make it a three-point game. Now Pollard and company back to work on first down. Jack will keep it himself, look for room up the middle, and there is just no real estate there. Steve McNair coming out of the pile. There's a 38, Michael Sheehan doing the same. No gain, second and 10. And, Rob, you have to raise the question with the fact that Brees was so successful in that first touch he has in the second half and the fact he had 1,800 yards as a freshman. Should he not get the ball a little bit more in this offense for the Generals? I agree. I just I don't understand it, to be honest with you. Kirkland in motion. He'll get the misdirection handoff this time. He'll spin, find running room, and there you go, Marty. He gets nine to the 34-yard line to make it a third and one. And that wasn't a smooth handoff. He actually ran into uh, one of his teammates in the backfield and then turned it upfield but was able to pick up nine of those yards, almost all of it on his own. But that's what he can do when you give him the ball. Such athleticism. Third and a yard at the 34. 
And, oh, might be a free first down, but it's not. Pollard gets the football off the field, tries to find Owen, and he does in stride. He gets behind Steven Richardson, and a play that looked busted at the start is an apparent touchdown, but we do have a penalty marker down, but I think that's going to be encroachment on Randolph-Macon because one of the defensive line members did jump. The ball was snapped badly. Pollard had to get it off the ground. He still was able to grab it and throw it to Owen for what is right now a 66-yard touchdown. And it is. Encroachment, Randolph-Macon, touchdown, Washington and Lee, and they're an extra point away from taking the lead. And, Rob, that's the second time today that the Yellow Jackets have a penalty at the, at the snap of the ball and really almost stopped playing, I think, at that point. Stephen Richardson looked like he didn't know whether the play was continuing or not. Owen runs right past him for the touchdown. If you don't hear a whistle, you keep playing, no matter what. Right on for the point after attempt. It is up, and it is good. And with 4.31 to go in the third quarter, just like that, Washington and Lee, 66-yard touchdown pass, takes the lead at 14-13, 4.31 third quarter. And we mentioned Owen didn't play in the first half. A big-time receiver for them, averaging about 25 yards per catch and a big weapon that they didn't have. And that play was odd because you could see a lot of confusion at the line of scrimmage. Flag comes out, and it's almost as if half the players on the field didn't know whether the play was live or not you got to give credit because it's not a great snap. Pollard picks it up off the snap, off the deck and throws a long ball to Owen, and Owen just outruns Stephen Richardson for that touchdown. And that's not easy to do because Stephen Richardson is blazing fast. But, yeah, I think I think there was some confusion there, and, and you can't allow that to be confusion, Marty. Uh, you know, that's kind of one of the simple premises of football is you keep playing. I mean, we've had the situations in the NFL this year where there's been controversy about whether a whistle should be blown or not. And they've tried to make some changes on that to make the officials more aware of it. And in this case, it's the players. And a defensive breakdown cost Randolph Macon dearly. And now Egbers and company are going to get the football back, but down one. Right, tees it up at the 35. Anthony Williams back at his four. To the 10. 15, 20, 25. Hit there and brought down. And it'll be first down and 10 for the Yellow Jackets. Time remaining, third quarter, 425, 14-13 now the score. Cole Camelli, the freshman at Amoresville, North Carolina, gets the tackle on special teams. And, Rob, it's been a while since the Yellow Jackets have played from behind in the second half. So I think that uh, they've got a chance still really early in the ballgame. They're only down by one, but uh, need to get something going here offensively. No time to panic. Do what you do. First and ten. Frederick gets a block. Gets to the 30, and out of bounds at the 30. No, stays in bounds, and gets down near the 35-yard line. Boy, it looked like he had been knocked out of bounds, Marty, and he keeps his feet, keeps his balance, and that's enough for a Yellow Jacket first down. They'll say 10 to the 36. And it's difficult to see from our vantage point because we're looking right down over the, the helmets of the Yellow Jacket players along the sideline, so it's really difficult to see the sideline, but he certainly saw the sideline and kept his feet in bounds and turned it up for about an extra three yards at the end of that play. First and 10 from the 36. Under four minutes to go. Third quarter, 14-13 generals. Frederick to the right of Egbers. Presley throwing over the middle. Gill complete to the 49. First down, 
13-yard gain, and the Yellow Jackets are near midfield. Good throw by Egbers there. Puts it right where Gill's the only one who's going to be able to make the catch. And Gill does a great job of protecting the ball. As you're coming across the middle there, you're looking for who's going to lower the boom on you. Catches it and falls forward for the first down. Good throw by Egbers. Millar comes out. Robbie Owens checks in at tight end. The nose of the football touching the 50. So at midfield, after a 14-yard reception, Gill had the touchdown reception on the 50-50 ball in the corner of the end zone to give the Yellow Jackets the lead, second quarter. And now he's split out to the far side, part of two receivers set on first and 10. Frederick with the handoff. Around right tackle, four to the 46-yard line. So they're into General's territory with three minutes left in the third quarter in a one-point game. Moving the ball and picking it up in small chunks at this point, but you're going to have to mix it up a little bit. Egbers is going to have to make a few more throws like that. He's thrown for a high percentage, completion percentage on the ball game today, but sort of mixing it up, giving enough touches to Frederick, but letting your quarterback throw the ball a little as well. Keeping everybody honest, as honest as you can on this vaunted General's defense. Under center, Egbers now on second down and six. A fake, looks to throw, got it to Owens. First down, Randolph-Macon, Robbie Owens on the reception inside the 40 to the Generals' 38-yard line. Of course, Robbie will go down in Randolph-Macon lore as getting that touchdown grab to win the overtime thriller at homecoming last year against Bridgewater. And that's a, a great catch by Owen. Great play by your quarterback as well. He's got number 54, Frailer, right in his face. He can see the receiver, but he's got to get it over Frailer to be able to complete that. And he gets the job done. They're at the Generals' 38. Low snap, and Egbers has trouble with it and has to fall on it back at the 42. We talked about it's the second start for the freshman center, Matt Hale. He had a great game against Southern Virginia. That's really the first bad snap we've seen out of him. And good play again by Egbers. Originally, he thought he was going to be able to try to pick that up and do something with it. Then the pressure was coming from that right side by Sam Murphy. And wisely, Egbers just falls on it and covers it up. Yeah, keep possession, live to fight another down, even though it's second down and 14. And Coach Arusa wants to talk some things over, and he's going to take that first time out of the second half here. With a minute and 40 to go third quarter, it's 14-13. Washington and Lee will take a 60, a 60-second timeout. This is Randolph making college football on 102.9 The Mater. Quickly becoming your go-to place for Randolph-Macon football after the games. It's Marco's Italian Restaurant, Bar and Grill, 805 England Street in Ashland. Proprietor and chef Sal Galina welcomes you. We're special people stay with that. And I have a lot of compliments for everybody. Special travel people, they never eat a view like that. Told me right on my face. Make it Marco's for lunch or dinner or order takeout, 804-299-345. Massey Wood and West Incorporated has been serving the Richmond and surrounding areas since 1923. Offering the finest in Heil cooling and heating products, depend on them for professional service and installation of standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, gas or oil furnaces by Heil cooling and heating products. Depend on them for all of your cooling needs. Call 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Massey, Wood and West. Catch Randolph Bacon football all season long. Only on 102.9 The Mater. As we come back on second and 14, Egbers was looking to throw. There was great coverage by the secondary. He takes off and runs left side. He's able to find eight yards, Marty Wilson, to make it now third and six. At the Generals 34 with a minute 10 to go third quarter. 
And he's proven to be a very capable runner today. Good decision on his part when he didn't have anything down the field, didn't hesitate, took off down that left side and picked up what he could. It makes this a very much more manageable situation. Haven't seen Elian in that design quarterback set of plays yet today. Third down from the 34. Down to three on the play clock. Down to one. Just get it off in time. Egbers, the throw, complete to Tanner. Takes a hard hit at the 29. And I think he's going to be a yard short of the first down. And now big decision time in the final minute of the third quarter. It's going to be fourth down and about a yard and a half from the 30-yard line. And that's a heck of a catch by Tanner because he took a shot at the end of that play. And this is going to be the first time they're going to see Ely coming into the ball game. Egbert out. Ely's in fourth and about a yard and a half or just shy of two, it looks like. And they're going to have to run a play before the end of the third quarter. There's a one-second difference between play clock and game clock. On fourth and a yard and a half, Ely up the middle. Yes, first down, Randolph-Macon, and he keeps the pile pushed to the 26-yard line. What physicality from Ely as we go to 2.8 left in the third they'll reset the chain and the third quarter comes to a close they're down one but they're driving at the end of three Washington and Lee 14 Randolph making 13 we're back after this 30 a 30 second timeout this is Randolph making college football on 1029 the Mater at Randolph making college your education begins with your future in mind from your very first day on campus our new Bachelor of Nursing degree provides direct entry into nursing as freshmen who can transition into a nursing career after graduation. Students gain valuable experience working in outstanding healthcare systems in many clinical areas. Visit us online at rmc.edu to schedule a campus tour, a personal interview, or to RSVP for one of our fall open houses. Randolph-Macon College, building extraordinary nurses. Randolph-Macon battles Bridgewater, Saturday at 12.30, only on the Mater. Indeed, we get back into the Marty Mobile and make the road trip into the Shenandoah Valley next Saturday. Bridgewater up uh, big on Emory and Henry as we look at the Lux Chevrolet scoreboard. Uh, last check just before halftime, 21-3 Eagles as they look to go to 6-0 and in the ODAC, 8-0 overall. Randolph-Macon here trying to go to 6-0 and in the ODAC, 7-1 and overall and have seven consecutive wins heading into that trip next week. But if that's going to happen, they're going to have to have another fourth-quarter comeback, albeit down only by one here at 14-13. And this was the story of the first part of the, the season, Rob, playing from behind in the fourth quarter. You had to do it against Johns Hopkins, unsuccessful there. You were successful on the road against Avert, pulling out a fourth-quarter win. So you've been there before. It's been a while, and I think that's a Yellow Jacket to have improved their play to not put themselves in this many positions. We start the fourth quarter with Ely at quarterback, De Leon. In motion, and Ely goes up the middle, and he breaks one tackle and is in the open field, gets across the 20, inside the 15, down to the 14-yard line. That'll be a 12-yard gain and another Yellow Jacket first down for Andrew Ely. And the first time we've seen him in, when you, you fake the jet sweep and allow him to keep it, it's still a quarterback run, but a little bit more motion to take the eyes off of the defense off your quarterback. So De Leon is checking out. DeAndre Gill comes back in, and Ely gets the play call, and he's back in the huddle. 30 seconds gone by, fourth period. Washington and Lee, 14. Randolph making 13. A missed extra point, the difference right now. Ely looking for room around left side and then caught there at the 15-yard line. 
very nicely looking to see who made that tackle. It could have been Corey, and I believe it was, 32. Yeah, Corey rallying up to make the play. The one thing that this does, Rob, is it makes you, from what we've seen all season long, a little bit one-dimensional. When Ely's in the ball game, he doesn't throw the ball all that frequently. So the defense recognizes that, and I think Ely's going to check out right now. Egbert's back in. A little bit easier to defend, although – on the last play, fourth and short, you knew it was coming and they couldn't stop it. But uh, for the most part, you don't have to worry about the Yellow Jackets throwing the ball. So Egbers will be all by himself. There's going to be five wide. Millar, Frederick here to the near side, three to the far, including Trey Owens and DeAndre Gill. Frederick comes in motion behind Egbers. Presley looking to throw. Now the pocket goes, and he goes down. It's a quarterback sack for number 90. That's Jay. Hey, Roberts, the senior out of Tennessee, and that's another big sack for Washington and Lee to create a third and long here in the red zone. It'll be third and 15. They got to get to the five for a first and goal. And this is where it's going to be big. If you don't get it here, Chris Vidal is probably going to come on and try a field goal and missed an extra point earlier. He's your veteran kicker, but he's only been back for two weeks and hasn't had a whole lot of attempts in live football action. He's, he's had four kicks. Three extra points and one field goal try, and he's only one of four since coming back from injury. Hand off to Trey Frederick, working his way up the middle. Gets inside the 10, down to the 9, maybe to the 8. So a nice gain there for Trey to make it fourth down, and they will send yeah. on Vidal and the field goal unit to try to retake the lead. I think it's the right call here as well. You've got a veteran uh, kicker coming in. He, you were Before his injury, you would have thought he's one of the better kickers in the ODAC. Just have to execute here at this point in time. You've got a chance to put points on the board and, more importantly, maybe take the lead back. So here we go for a chance to make it 16-14. The ball's placed at the 15, 25-yard field goal right in the middle of the field. Good snap, good hold. The kick is up, and the kick is good. Chris Fidal from 25 yards, and Randolph Bacon retakes the lead. 16 to 14 with 12 11 left in regulation. And maybe that's a confidence builder for Vidal because you're going to need him down the stretch. Ball games like this, where it may come down to a kick at the end of the ball game, you're going to need him. Really, no hesitation there. He put that right through the middle of the uprights. Good execution by the entire kicking team there, but good drive. The Yellow Jack is not down in this ballgame for very long. I was about to ask you, Marty, if you noticed there seemed to be some extra force with that yes. kick. I mean, it just powered its way into the netting in front of Andrews Hall, splitting the uprights as if the doll had, had kind of, uh, you know, he was looking for vindication, as it were. And that was a beautiful kick at the perfect time. 16-14, Randolph making back out in front. Now the defense has to come up big. With 12 minutes, 11 seconds left here in the fourth, you suspect that each team's going to get at least a couple of possessions here before this one's in the books. But that might be it. It might be a, a game where now you only get the ball twice in this fourth quarter. The doll teed it up at the 35. Two men back deep for the Generals. Kick will be taken at the 5. To the 15. Hesitation, 17. And that's it. The Yellow Jackets swarming again on special teams. 
pinning the Generals deep in their own territory. First down. And the hesitation really cost him at that point in time. Once he slowed down, he allowed the Yellow Jacket defenders, Anthony Williams leading the charge coming down on special teams to make that tackle. I think he had some running room wide right, uh, slowed down for a moment, and then really paid the price at the end of it. About the only person we've seen all year that can take a stutter step on a return and make something out of it is Jordan Foster. Who we have not seen so far here in the second half for the Yellow Jacket. He has, uh, we believe, tweaked his ankle, came up limping back in the first half. On first down, handoff Kirkland gets away from one man and is down at the 25-yard line. Nice stiff arm there by Kobe so he could get extra yardage, a gain of eight. It'll be second and two. And Eric Harris had a shot at him right at the line of scrimmage. And if you make that play, it's going to be second and along. But give Kirkland credit. I think it was the stiff arm that allowed him to shed Harris and continue up the field. So second down and a couple from the 25-yard line. 11.35 left in regulation at a two-point game. Pollard back to pass. Looking far side. Got a man complete. It's Owen. Richardson loses him. A foot race. Barr trying to get the angle, and he won't. It's another huge play to Montgomery Owen. Touchdown. This one goes for 75 yards and you gamble at the point of attack once the catch is made i think you made a play on the football he makes the catch and turns the corner there's nobody on that side of the field the whole half of the field is empty for him and it's just a foot race to the end zone and what a weapon he is they did not have him in the first half and he's paying big dividends for the generals here in the second half montgomery owen has caught touchdown passes in this half of 66 and now 75 yards and the Generals retake the lead at 20-16. to 16. The point after try coming. High snap. Kick is up. And the kick is good. 11-20 left. And there's more work to do for Randolph-Macon's offense. They're now down five. Generals 21. Yellow Jackets 16. Back after this 30, a 30-second timeout. This is Randolph-Macon College Football on 102.9 The Mater. Injuries happen when we least expect them. Whether from sports, work, or just because we're getting older, pain affects the quality of our life and limits us from performing our normal daily activities. But there is help at Ashland Physical Therapy. The physical therapists at Ashland Physical Therapy combine knowledge, skill, and experience in using the latest in evidence-based rehabilitation techniques to help you recover. Conveniently located in the Ashland Hanover Shopping Center in Ashland. Don't put up with pain. Visit Ashland Physical Therapy in Ashland. Ashland. You're listening to Randolph Making College Football on 102.9 The Mater. Marty Wilson coming into this game. The Yellow Jackets had outscored opponents in the fourth period, 78 to 44. But the Generals winning this quarter 7-3, and more importantly, making it 21-16. Washington and Lee is right. Gets set to tee it up from the 35 with 11.20 left in the game. And pressure right back on the Yellow Jacket offense. After adding a field goal, you find yourself down again. Here's a high kick, but it's short. Returnable. Williams at the 13 to the 20. 25, 30, spins, and he goes down. And when he goes down, he loses the football. Generals say they have the football. We're looking for an official signal. It's yet another question of whether he was down or not. And Anthony is still down on the ground. Officials are conferring. And, then, and the answer is no. It is down on the field by contact. The fumble happened after Anthony went down. But now the bigger question is, is Anthony Williams okay? They just got him back after being injured for over a month. 
And the trainers are looking at him now at about the 33-yard line. And hopefully he's okay. Very similar to the call we saw in the first half, Rob, where uh, Egbert gets bounced off the turf and the ball comes loose. And in that call, they ruled that the, the fumble was not caused by the ground. They give the ball to the generals. In this case, the Yellow Jackets will keep it. But Anthony Williams, as you mentioned, has missed a large part of the season. Goes down. He's subbing in for Jordan Foster, who's been your primary kick and punt returner all season long. And Hopefully Anthony's able to get up and make his way off the field under his own power. You can tell, obviously, the bond between Williams and D'Angelo Barr. D'Angelo has not left his side. He is still there with the training staff talking to his teammate, Anthony Williams, who is down at the 33. He lost the football, Marty, because he was spinning, and as he went down, it looked like it was a very awkward spin. Something may have happened, and one of his legs may not have come around the way it should have. And you could tell he was in pain at the very moment that it happened. And they will help him up, but they're going to have to help him off the field, I would suspect. Let's see. He is gingerly walking off the field. Looks like a left knee or ankle situation. At least he is walking off under his own power. And that is good news as Coach Arusa comes out to check on him now. And Barr has not left his side. Yeah, interesting that the bond that those two gentlemen have and Look like Anthony's going to make his way to the sideline, really walking slowly, but good to see it's under his own power. No assistance making his way to the sideline. So Jackets are helping him to the sideline and now turn their attention to the uh, action back in the middle of the field where you need to try to move the ball down the field and answer that quick score offense that the uh, Generals just took the lead against you, 21-16. to 16. Yeah, Meanwhile, down here, Stephen Richardson getting uh, some talking from a couple of players, trying to pump him up to get him back up after that blown assignment. Cost the Yellow Jackets points. Egbers, right side, big hole, breaks a tackle, and the quarterback gets into General's territory on one play down the 47-yard line. 22 yards for Presley Egbers, first down Randolph Macon. He had 62 yards on the ground, Rob, through three quarters of play. So your, your quarterback now is going to be knocking on the door of a 100-yard rushing game. Change your, your rushing attack quite a bit, letting your quarterback carry a little bit more of the load, and he's run the ball well this afternoon. It is first and 10 at the Generals 47 after the 22-yard run by Presley Egbers. Out of the pistol, he's got Frederick to his right. Handed off to Trey. 45-40, and he'll get close to first down yardage. Give the all-time ODAC leading rusher nine to the 38. It'll be second and one. And, Rob, you made the point early in the ballgame of the fact you continue to lean on that defense. Maybe you tire them out a little bit. If the Yellow Jacket offensive line is fresh, they continue to get that push. Maybe you just sort of forcefully work your way down the field behind that big offensive line. Second and a yard at the Generals 38. Yellow Jackets looking to answer the Generals score with one of their own. 10-10 to go here in regulation. Egbers back to Frederick. Absorbs a hit and is able to get the first down at the 35-yard line. So move the chain. First and 10 Randolph-Macon. 10 minutes remaining. 21-16 Generals. The Yellow Jackets are on the move. You see Egbers turns and looks to the sideline to get the call. I'm just wondering what kind of defensive adjustments that these guys are going to make on Montgomery Owen when they get back out here after he's burned them not once but twice for huge touchdown receptions. First and 10 from the 35. Egbert's quick pass, complete. Trey Owens gets a block, caught from behind, out of bounds. Let's see, close to the 30. Again, we're obscured by all the Yellow Jackets on the sideline. We'll see where the refs put it. It might be a gain of five or six. Looks like six. 
to the 29, second and four. Good pickup, Robin. It also stretches the defense a little bit. You can't allow them just to sit and play seven or eight guys at the line of scrimmage. You need to make them play sideline to sideline, and getting the ball out in space to Trey Owens is going to force them to spread that defense out a little bit. Generals 21, Yellow Jackets 16, second and four at the Washington and Lee 29-yard line. Egbers back to Frederick in a big hole up the middle. First down, gain of six to the 23. Stretch them out, win the war there up front with physicality, and Trey gets runs like that. And the last three carries you've had, one by Egbers and two by Trey Frederick, the holes just seem to be a little bit bigger up front now than they were for the first three quarters of play. Been a while since Trey had a 100-yard rushing day, and he's on track to do it now. More importantly, though, they're 23 yards from retaking the lead. First and 10, Egbers fakes it to him. We'll keep it up the middle, breaks right side, then cuts up the middle, and he gets inside the 10 to the 9. It'll be first and goal for Randolph-Macon. Holy cow, Egbers is making some great moves. He looks like he's the tailback, not the quarterback. And he started with that fake, because you can see one of the defensive linemen sold out and took out Trey Frederick, and by that time, Egbers is three steps past him down the field for a big gain. Tremendous play. They'll say down at the 10, gain of 13, First and goal. Egbers is going to have a 100-yard day on the ground and in the air. From the 10, down by 5. Blitz is coming. Egbers trying to elude it. And he'll be downed at the 11, maybe the 12-yard line. Nice tackle there by Carter Govin coming out of the free safety position to make the stop. They were just sending all out, trying to go all out on Egbers. If they'd have called a pass play, might have been a very easy score. And they brought Will Corey off the corner that time and dropping back Connor Denning has uh, time to get a piece of Corey and sort of chip him off of Egbert or else that's going to be a big play for the general defense. Anthony Williams just seeing him here on the sideline. He's looking a lot better and that is very, very good news. Second and goal from the 12 after a loss of two. Frederick to the left of Egbert's. Egbert's looking to throw, looking in the end zone. It is incomplete. There was a little bit of miscommunication there between Egbers and Gill. Egbers was throwing it to the front pylon, and Gill was about four yards deep in the end zone, couldn't make the grab. And it's a throw where only Gill's going to be able to make the catch. So a pretty good throw on the part of Egbers, but uh, just couldn't. This time, Gill can't get down low enough to, to scoop that off the turf. He took a couple of extra steps, unfortunately. If he'd have turned right at the goal line, he would have had an opportunity to grab it and be at the pylon. Now, with seven and a half to go, it's third and goal, and you almost have to think this is four-down territory. Down by five, a field goal only makes it a two-point game. Egbert's looking to pass, now wants to tuck it and run, and he will, but he'll be down at the eight. And it's going to be a very interesting decision here. Fourth and goal at the eight-yard line, and they are going to bring out the field goal unit. And then they're going to have to... If they make it, trust the defense to get a quick stop to get the football back. And I think this is showing a lot of confidence in your defense. And the fact you've got about seven minutes left to play, you get three points here now, closes the gap, and then you trust your defense to come on and get a stop. You're hoping uh, that your defense gives you a chance to have the possession one more time. Last time right in the middle of the field, this time from the right hash, another 25-yard field goal attempt for Chris Vidal. The kick is up, and the kick is good. So Vidal, back-to-back -back field goals, it cuts it down to a two-point game, but there's 6.47 to play here, uh, Marty Wilson, 21-19, and you've got to find a way to do what you did with regularity in the first half, and that stopped Washington and Lee, but the difference in this first and second half 
has been Montgomery Owen. Yeah, I think that's the, the factor you didn't have to deal with in the first half as Owen is back. That, and really, we talked about coming into the ballgame. He had six touchdown catches on the season, averaging almost 26 yards a catch. And he's been a big factor in the second half. And you made the point just a moment ago, Rob, how do you look to take him away? Uh, he's the uh, additional dimension that you didn't have to, to game plan for in the first half. You try to put roll two guys to his side and see if you can take him away. Last touchdown he caught was, wasn't a real long pass, but just a great presence of mind by him that he knew once he got it, the defender had already flown by one step down the field, and he was off to the races. But uh, you need to figure out. Talked about how we're spreading out the uh, the yellow jack or spreading out the general defense. Now they have a chance to spread out the Randolph Macon defense and maybe run the ball a little more effectively with Brees. Montgomery Owen three catches, 150 yards, two touchdowns. That's in one half or not even to, uh, two quarters worth of play. As Vidal will kick it away from the 35-yard line. This one's driven deep, his best kick, and it'll be in the end zone for a touchback. And that's what Vidal did with regularity last year, and you hope you that he's 100% now is going to be able to start doing that as well here down the stretch. But now the defense has got to come up big. 21-19 Washington and Lee at 6.47 to go. Yellow Jackets have two timeouts left. Washington and Lee has all three remaining. And the turnover has been a big part of the, the win for the Yellow Jackets the last couple of weeks. You had six on the road two weeks ago against Southern Virginia. It's interesting to see where the Yellow Jacket defense can apply some pressure and cause a turnover here. Richardson one-on-one with Owen on the far side on first and ten. They get the handoff and up the gut. Good running room. That's Brees. He's at midfield. It's a foot race, and Josh Brees is going to win it. And it is the third Big play of the second half, and this one might be the backbreaker. Touchdown, Washington and Lee. It is a 75-yard touchdown run from Josh Brees. Someone finally listened and gave Brees the ball. Yes. Figured that. Get him out into space. Well, you saw once he brought, uh, broke the uh, second line of defense there, he was off to the races and nobody was going to catch him. Breakaway speed. That's the Josh Brees that the Odak saw as a freshman. He gets a touch and takes it to the house. A huge extra point here. It would make it a nine-point game. Out of the hold of Laughlin, right with it. The kick is up, and the kick is good. Washington and Lee, 28. Randolph making 19. 6.34 remaining. It is very rare that you can weave the narrative of the game to just a couple of plays. But Marty Wilson in the first half, as you mentioned, not much doing offensively for Washington and Lee. Their total yards were 80. In this half, they have scored touchdowns of 66, 75, and 75 yards. And, Rob, we mentioned we went up and won at Lexington last year. But prior to that, that, these are the struggles that we had against their offense, their big play capability. They run a set of offense. It looks like it's difficult to game plan against, and it's always, if you don't, have the assignment covered each and every play, it's your suspect to that. And they break when really this is the first year you've seen a lot of it come through the passing game. Montgomery Owen is a heck of a receiver and they found a quarterback who can throw the ball, but now they've got two ways to beat you big play, both running the ball and throwing the ball. And it's been a big play offense in the second half of the generals, right? We'll tee it up at the 35. Trey Frederick is back deep. No Jordan Foster, no Anthony Williams. Here comes the kick, angling far side, Trey at the 8. To the 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, and knocked out of bounds there. Oh, boy, just a little bit more real estate there, Marty Wilson, and Trey could have been off to the races. 
Yeah, and you see he really just ran out a little bit of space along that sideline. Now the Jackets needed to regroup. As you mentioned, that extra point was huge because now you're down by nine. It's a two-score ball game, but still 6:27 on the game clock. But you're really going to need to score quickly because you're going to need two possessions here. And in between, you're going to have to find a, a way to figure out how to stop the general offense. Now, fans, if the Yellow Jackets lose today, it does not end their hopes for the ODAC championship. They could still grab that if they could beat Bridgewater next week. It would be a lot easier, though, if they won today, too. Owens on the screen. Trey, first down and more to midfield and finally brought down there. That's a gain of 17. First down, the Yellow Jackets 50 yards away from a score, 6.18 to go, and they'll restart the clock when they get the chain up and running. And, Rob, that almost looks like a punt return. After he catches that, he's got a wall of blockers in front of him that he sort of wound his way behind to pick up extra yardage at the end of that well-designed play there for the Yellow Jacket offense. We may see a couple of play designs here that we haven't seen all season. It's first and 10 at midfield. Frederick to the left of Egberts. Presley back to pass, and it's batted down. Incomplete. He had Trey here out in the flat, and 53, Riley Bartlett gets a hand up and knocks it down, second and 10. That's four times, three times at the line of scrimmage, and once from the linebacker spot that they've been able to get a hand up and bat the ball down. So very active with the recognition of the fact that if you can't get to the quarterback, and I'm not sure they've got one sack or maybe two sacks against Egberts, but a lot of places at the line of scrimmage to knock balls down. Second and 10 at midfield. 5.51 to go. They're showing blitz. They're coming. Egbers finds room up the middle and gets seven to the 43. So it will be now third down and three, and there's a little sense of urgency here. they got to hurry up, get the play call in, break that huddle, and get going. Down to 5.35 to go. Again, down by nine. They'll bring Gill in, take out the tight end, Robbie Owens. Time is of the essence for Randolph-Macon. 5.20 to go. Third and three at the Generals' 43. Egberts, the draw, the block from Frederick. First down, Randolph-Macon, down to the 35-yard line. That's a gain of eight. For Presley. And that's been a very effective play call for the Yellow Jackets during the course of the ball game. You spread them out, you put four wide and let your quarterback run. Egberts, we don't have a, a up-to-date stat sheet here. Look like live stats might be uh, uh, down at this point in time, but he's got to be close to 100 yards, doing a great job of moving the ball down the field with his feet. The Generals replaced their entire defensive line for this first down play from the 35-yard line. De Leon in motion. Fake it to him. Egberts up the middle to the 30. That's five more, second and five, but we're down to 438 and running. And again, Yellow Jackets got to hurry up, and they're going to go straight to the line here. They get the quick play call in. Gill to the near side. They'll send Trey Owens here to the far side. Frederick to the left of Egberts, 423 to go. Second and five from the 30. Presley looking, throwing, and was that caught? No, they're going to no. Incomplete. Intended for Trey Owens and the the back judge the is back, saying no. Yeah, the back judge is saying no, but one of the judges on the side here is saying yes. The he line was, judge was coming into market if it was a completed pass. And he's been overruled by the back judge. They'll say incomplete, third down at the 30. Good news on the incompletion, at least it stops the clock with 4.16 to go. Millard checks back in. And now, I don't know, Marty, do you run it here on third and five? 
Yeah, that's been a very effective play from your quarterback. You haven't thrown the ball as well. Frederick will line up to Presley's right. Egbers with the football over the middle. Caught by Sam Tanner. First down to the 20-yard line. He juggled it once, and the Lee Davis product able to bring it in. Gain of 10, first down, and immediately up to the line. 4.05 to go. First down in the red zone at the Generals 20. Egbers, handoff, Frederick, up the middle. Good running room inside the 15, seven yards to the 13. Hurry up offense now in full effect. 3.50 to go. Back to the line come the Yellow Jackets, trying to shave this nine-point advantage for the Generals at 28-19. Back to Trey, finds room, gets inside the five. He'll be down to the four-yard line. That'll stop the clock. It's first and goal with 3.39 remaining. They're quickly back to the line, and a timeout is going to be called by Washington and Lee. They're gassed. And, Robin, you could see every play that you ran, the generals were getting up slower and slower on the defensive side of the ball. So I think it's a good timeout on the part of the, the coaching staff there for the generals. But you're coming right back to the line of scrimmage, the offensive line with that push, and it's either going to be Egbers or Trey Frederick, but you could see you're just wearing them down, and it's a, probably a good timeout. Now, if you can get the touchdown here, let's say within the next half minute, and there's still three minutes or more to go, Marty, do you go on sidekick? With two timeouts, or do you kick it deep and trust your defense to go three and out and get a punt and get the football back? I would normally say that I always bet against a bet on the Yellow Jacket defense, but uh, we haven't found a way to stop their big plays in the in the fourth quarter. I think you go for the onside kick and get the ball right back, and then at least the uh, to take it a chance. But if you control the ball, then you immediately have the chance to march downfield and add points to the, the scoreboard. Well, first things first, they've got to punch it in here. They have had two opportunities earlier in this half where they had to settle for field goals. That doesn't do them any good right now. They need six, and they need it for Psyche more than anything else. And Andrew Ely is in with Justin DeLeon, Marcus Bazala in there on the offset eye formation. Ely looking for running room. Diving toward the goal line, he'll get to the one. Gain of three, second and goal from the one. They got to hurry here. 3.25 to go. Every play that you don't score takes time off the clock. They reset immediately. They're at the one. Ely, you know he's going to take it. And he gets into the end zone. Touchdown. Randolph making yellow jackets. Andrew Ely from a yard out breaks the plane with 3.17 left here in regulation. It's 28-25 as the Dahl and company come on for the point after try. And this is going to be a, a play through the PAT here first, Rob. And assuming you make this, it's going to be a very interesting call on the part of Coach Aruth and his coaching staff as to whether you tried the onside kick. First, the point after attempt with 3.17 to go. 28-25 is the score. The kick is up, and the kick is good. Hits a window in Andrews Hall. Could have been caught by the sophomore that was sitting there at the window that was open, but couldn't quite make the, make the play. It's a two-point game, 28-26, 3.17 to go, and here it is, decision time for the coaching staff. And you'll probably be able to tell by the personnel that they put on the field as to what they're going to look to do. If you've got guys that are out there more from an offensive standpoint and a, sort of a hands team, Coach is standing right in the middle of his kicking squad as Chris Vidal makes his way down. And he is giving them the official signal right now as to what he wants them to do. 
Now, you know Coach Arusa. This could be all about telling them what to do on an onside kick, and it could all be a decoy and an act to make the generals think it's going to be an onside kick when it's not. And even Trey Frederick was out there urging them on. And this will completely change how the generals handle their special teams return team because they, they don't know what to expect. They're thinking onside. They've got to come out prepared for the onside kick, yeah, I think. and have to. And you wonder, they're going to bring 10 guys really at the uh, up here at the 45-yard line. You try to drop it in over the top, and then it's a foot race. You pooch it over the top, that front line of the generals. The answer is yes. And they're going to kick it deep. And now if it stays out at the end, zone, it'll go through the end zone, so it'll be a touchback. So no time off the clock, and Jackets defense will take the field. So you try to race down there and cover that, but uh, no luck. But 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 you know what? That's not a bad decision because you pin them to the 25. Your defense needs to make three plays. You can stop the clock twice. You completely neutralize the possibility of any return should the man had been able to get back and get the football because everybody was up here at midfield. And no time off the clock. And now you just yes. need to figure a way for your defense to step up and make a couple plays. This is the biggest defensive stand that Yellow Jackets have so far this season. First and 10 with Kirkland in motion from the 25. Richardson is your setback, and it's another big play. It's Josh Brees again. I don't believe what I just saw. Josh Brees, 75-yard touchdown with three minutes and six seconds to go. They're back on top by eight. It is the fourth play of 66 yards or more that the Generals have busted open here in this second half. And it's the third time, Rob, that you battle your way back to put points on the board for the Yellow Jackets, trying to hang in this ballgame. And third time, they've had a one-play drive to put points on the board for the Generals. Unbelievable. Some of the Yellow Jacket fans have now made their way to the exits. Extra point is up and good. And what Yellow Jackets did so well in Lexington last year, prevent the big play, which is the heart and soul of this general's offense in this second half after limiting them to a total of 80 yards of offense in the first half. The generals have exploded for touchdowns of 66, 75, 75, and 75. And that we've talked about Josh Brees coming into the ballgame. You know that he's capable of that on every play. And it was odd that you look at their stats the last couple of weeks. I think he had nine touches last week and maybe eight the week before. So you look at it going, why isn't he getting the ball more? And now that you find it, Yellow Jackets have to crowd the line of scrimmage, take away what you can, but he's broken containment at the line of scrimmage, and twice now, once he's four yards past the line of scrimmage, it was an easy call for you. There's nobody who's going to catch him at that point. No, no, it's over at that point. And, you know, we talked last year about Josh Brees and what he did in high school in the state championship a few years ago against Highland Springs, rushing for over 200 yards. Uh, the Stonebridge team that came the closest to knocking off Highland Springs and currently a four-year championship run. Brees was unbelievable that day. Frederick to the 12, out of the 20, 25, and brought down there. And Randolph-Macon with the football and a little bit of extracurricular here, and we'll get a penalty marker on the field. Several generals coming over toward Matthew Vagara, and we'll see how this unfolds with 3.01 remaining. I thought that was more it looked like uh, Robert Poindexter trying to get up and celebrate a little bit. but I do, too. And then he, uh, after making the tackle, made a nice tackle on special teams, but then ran into Matthew Vergara. And I think Vergara might have just given a little bit of a, a shove, saying, sort of get out of my face a little bit, and but a flag does come out. And we'll get the call here. 
And they will call an unsportsmanlike But now they're walking penalty. in the wrong direction. Yeah, they are. They're calling it against Randolph-Macon, but they're throwing the football in Randolph-Macon's direction. And there's, so. been, there's been some communication challenges with this official, uh, official group this week. I think that's probably the right call against Matthew Vergara, but the official with the ball walked at 15 yards in the opposite direction. Oh, hang on. And now they're finally putting it back the way they should be, and it's half the distance to the goal, which would be the 12-and-a-half-yard line or 12-yard line. And that's where Randolph-Macon will get to work, but they have two timeouts down by nine with 3.01 to go. And, and Marty, at this point, it's almost um, it's almost miracle time if you want to somehow pull this one off. Well, you figure the way that Josh Brees has broken the play, if you can get the ball in the hands of Trey Frederick, he can do the same thing for you at this point. It at least gives you a glimmer of hope, and he's certainly capable of doing so. First and 10 from the 12, Frederick with the play. He'll get three to the 15. They got to hurry, second and seven. And this is where you do have to open the up a little bit and try to throw the ball. Yeah, your playbook's got to be wide open right here. Second down and seven, 243 to go. Egbers looking to pass, and it's intercepted. It's knocked in the air, and it's brought down by Riley Bartlett. 53, that is Riley Bartlett there, looks like. No, actually, and yeah. I, yeah the, the officials are now talking, so hang on just a second, everybody. I they may be saying that. he did not catch that ball. It sure looked like he caught it to me. Was there a flag we didn't see? Let's get the call from the official with 2.37 to go. The general defense is staying on the field, but Bartlett looked like he did a great job of batting the ball in the air and caught it as he was going to the turf. That's going to be offsides against the general. So, so the bottom line is, if you caught it or not, it doesn't matter. So it was a flag. Five-yard walk-off against the generals. And quickly to the line is Randolph-Macon on now a second and two at the 21. They need a big play, and they need it right now. Egbers to Frederick, 25-30-33. First down for Frederick and Randolph-Macon. Stop the clock to move the chain. 2.32 to go. Racing to get back up to the line here. Millar, Gill to the far side. On first and 10. Egbert's back to Frederick, but only two to the 35-yard line. I know you want to run the football, Marty, and hope maybe you can break one as Brees has done twice. But, boy, it takes time off this clock. We're down to 210. And wouldn't you maybe try to get the same effort of trying to get Trey in space by throwing in the ball? That would be a good option as well. Haven't seen the wheel route yet today. Egbers looking, looking, throw over the middle, complete to Millar, short of the first down, across the 40 to the 41. Quickly, or check that, hand ready on the reception to the 42, so third and a yard, 145 to go. Frederick gets it, gets some good blocks downfield, first down into General's territory at the 48. They're certainly not quitting, Marty. It just may be a matter of running out of time. 141 to go. And the, uh, the general defense is going to give you a little bit of that because you've got to score twice at this point in time. Yeah, they'll give you that all day long from the 47, 48-yard line of Washington and Lee. First down, Egbers looking to pass, looking long, looking to Gill, and it is incomplete. He dives for it. And a flag comes out late. And do we have a late flag? We most certainly do. Now, frankly, I didn't see no. any issue with Kyle Woods' defense on that play. He's coming up with hands up going, are you kidding me? Gill is shaken up and seems to be a bit gimpy here. 
boy, it's become it's starting to become a of attrition here late in this game, Randolph-Macon here, Marty. But I agree with your comment there. I thought Kyle Wood played that ball pretty well. But they are, they're calling pass interference on Wood. I'm surprised. Yeah, I thought he played that pretty well. And I, I'm not sure DeAndre Gill had one arm, his left arm stretched out to see if he could get the ball. I'm not sure if he's able to even get to it to make the catch, but the flag will go against the Generals' ball. We spotted first and 10 at the Washington Lee 33-yard line. And temporarily, Gill is out of the football game after coming up very slowly. First and 10 at the Washington and Lee 33. Egbers, 120 to go. Throwing, complete, first down, inside the 20, hand ready with the reception to the 18. That's a 15-yard reception. So they're back into the red zone. Egbers barking out the signals, hand ready. 82, Mike Avent in the game now. He's wide to the left side from the 18. Egbers looking to throw, looking for the corner of the end zone for Avent, and he can't quite make the catch. He had it, he got hit, it went up in the air, and as he fell, he looked to bring it in and couldn't quite do it with a minute five to go. He actually had two chances to catch that ball. He got both hands on it first time around, then took a shot, but kept his eyes on the ball and just couldn't reel it in as he's falling to the turf. It'll be second down at the 18-yard line, but the important situation is this. The Yellow Jackets are down by nine. They've got to score twice. There's only 65 seconds remaining. They do have two timeouts. And you know if they score here, they'll have to go on sidekick. Frederick to the right of Egbers. Second down. Blitz coming. Throw. Complete. Inside the 10 to the 7. Hand ratty again. One minute remaining. It's 11 yards and a first down and goal. Now they restart the clock. We're in the final minute. They're back, ready to go, and a timeout's called by the Generals with 55.3 seconds remaining. You can argue problems with execution, Marty. What you can never say is this Yellow Jacket team doesn't give effort. They are fighting to the very end. Yeah, and really a lot of effort, a lot of energy on the offensive side. You move the ball down the field, and hopefully this is going to turn out to be points again for you. But the big challenge is the fact your offense has battled your way down and kept adding points or bringing you back from behind and keeping the, the game close. But then... It's been a one-play explosion each time for the Generals' offense and just haven't had an answer for their big play capabilities here, particularly in the fourth quarter. So a little disheartening, the fact you work so hard to add points and then they get points so easily against your defense. And the defense has been the strongest part of the Yellow Jacket team all season long. It's been a bitterly disappointing second half for this Yellow Jacket defense who, frankly, uh, has made the six-game winning streak and this 5-0 start in the ODAC possible as the offense has worked its way through a myriad of issues. Out of the timeout, 55.3 seconds on the clock. They're at the seven-yard line. First down and goal. Egbers will look to run it in, trying to get around left side, and he can't. He's taken down at the six-yard line by Will Corey. they got to get quickly to the line, or do they call timeout? Yes, timeout, Yellow Jackets. They have to burn one here. With 48.2 to go, it'll be second and goal at the six-yard line. Another play by, made by Will Corey on the defensive side for the Generals. He's a really good player, uh, a linebacker that's got to be in, in there. Uh, talk for first-team All-ODAC this year and made a lot of tackles. He and Benham, their linebacker cores, really played well. 
Jackets still have some life here, Rob. 48.2, down by nine. If you score here, then really no question. You've got to go for the all-side kick. And uh, a lot of things have to fall into place at this point in time. But first, you need to put the ball in the end zone. That's first things first, and you, you need to do it sooner than later. You, you know, we talked on the Lux Chevrolet pregame show today, Marty, about, you know, WNL coming in with two losses in a row. How would they respond? Would they, would they be despondent? Would they be kind of a wounded animal that would attack? And I think they remember what happened in Lexington last year, and that's kind of been the, the motivation here this afternoon, looking for their fifth win of the year. Three and two in the conference, four and three overall. 48 seconds left. Egbers looking to throw into the corner of the end zone and incomplete. A lot of hand checking going on out there in the far corner, but the pass was well overthrown, and it'll be third down with 44 seconds to go. They tried to use some size, and who was that we had out there on the right side for the Yellow Jackets? It looked like Nate Miller, Millar out yeah, there, 88. That was 80. 88? Yes. Coming off the field now, but trying to put one of your large tight ends out there and try to target Millar in the corner of the end zone, just overthrow him. Avent Trey Owens to the far side. DeAndre Gill, good to see him back in. He's to the near. Third down and goal at the seven-yard line, close to the six. Presley Egbers will roll right, looking, 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 looking. Throws across the field, and it is touchdown. Randolph Macon, Yellow Jackets. Touchdown from six yards out. Let's check and see who got that football. Yeah, I'm not sure who made the catch. I'm thinking Avent may have made it. He came across yeah. the field, and Mike Avent, the Highland Springs product, will score to make it 35-32 with 39.8 seconds to go. And Vidal will come in for the point after try to try to cut it back to two. The kick is up, and the kick is good. All right, Marty Wilson, 35-33. It's hard to believe it was 13 Seven at the half. That yeah. seems like a lifetime ago. A lot of big plays ago as well. But Yellow Jackets show a lot of heart, moving the ball down the floor. Your freshman quarterback shows a lot of poise. That's a two-minute drill, really, the last two times he's had the ball. You put points on the board. Now you need to execute maybe a little bit of luck here on the onside kick. If you cover that, you've got a chance. Uh, and just really that's the next big play you've got to make. You've got to cover an onside kick and see if you get the ball back. If you don't get the onside kick, the game is over. You only have one timeout, so you're not able to uh, you know, call three and get the football back. That's not going to happen. It all comes down to this, and there's no question as to what's going to happen here. It will be an onside kick. The question is what side of the field, how they're going to handle it. you got the doll putting it on the right hash mark rather than on the X in the middle. Will he hit it to the left side where there are six yellow jackets? Will he uh, kind of fake everybody out and go to the short side of the field? It all comes down to this onside kick attempt, and here it comes. Off the ground. It's off the knee. The ball's loose, and the yellow jackets have it at the 46-yard line. Randolph Macon football. Randolph Macon with the football. Freshman tight end Alex Vaught out of Roanoke, Virginia. It goes off his leg, and the Yellow Jackets get it with 37.6 seconds left. If they can get within field goal range, the doll with an opportunity to redeem himself in the biggest of ways. It's like a hard ground ball to your shortstop. <laughs> yes. It goes off his shin, and then it's a live ball. And just it bounces back right in the hands of one of the Yellow Jackets. So you get the lucky, or the, you execute there, Rob, and get the play back. Now you need to pick up about 30 yards to get yourself into field goal range. Uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That would put them at about 
out the 24. We'd like to be 40 or under on the field goal try, but you got to get there first. Egbert's looking, throwing long. It's underthrown and incomplete. Oh, my goodness. David Wallace, who we talked about having a big half of play against Southern Virginia last week, or two weeks ago, I should say. He got behind the defense, and if Egbert's is on the money with that one, the Yellow Jackets lead. Yeah, he's wide open down the field and just couldn't quite connect with him. Down to 32.5 to go. Fans, what a wild second half this has been. It's hard to believe, but the Yellow Jackets are still alive. But they need to chew up some ground and not chew up much clock to do it. Egbert, second down. Got to get away. He will. Throw the football. It is complete to Owens. I believe he was a yard over the line of scrimmage, and there is no flag on the field. He was clearly over the line of scrimmage, Rob. We can, we were looking almost right down the line here. Oh, my. And you can see the WNL coaching staff calling for that flag that's not going to come. They are beside themselves, and they have every right to be. He was a full yard behind, uh, uh, past the line of scrimmage. It's the 34-yard line with 25 seconds to go. And now, you know, maybe another 10 yards. Yeah, Chris Vidal, his long in his career is 43 yards. And with one timeout in your pocket, you have a chance to, you know, kind of open the playbook a bit. Egbert's looking, looking, dumps it. Frederick, complete, can't take much time here. Great play defensively there. And again, Fred Benham comes up big, big time. You can see for Coach the Arusa, generals. Coach Arusa motioning to Egbert to saying maybe better just to throw that ball away. Yes. You complete the pass, but the defense is right there and shut down Trey Frederick, and you actually lose yardage on that play. Which, so. which you cannot do. And also on top of that, Marty, they had to f- use their final timeout, which means now it limits your playbook. You have got to be in a situation to where with 17.2 to go, I think you have to go to the sidelines yeah. or you have to go to the end zone. If you go in the middle of the field, I don't think you're able to get up in time to clock it to give it all a chance to come out. Yeah, it would be very close, I think, Rob, if you go to the middle of the field. So I think the routes you're going to run, you put in some of your taller receivers and try to run them down the sideline. Don't necessarily need to go to the end zone, but if you can pick up 20 yards, 15 yards on a play, you're going to give your kicker a chance. This is a play where it needs to be something they've practiced a million times where Egbers is going to throw it in a certain position, and it could be he throws it before the receiver breaks the route so that they've got to trust each other from nonverbal communication to know exactly where they need to be, turn around, the ball should be right there, step out of bounds, and then you hand it over to Vidal and company. And your receiving core right now looks like it's going to be Gill, Avent, Trey Owens, and David Wallace. And Owens and Wallace after the left side. Now Wallace will check out in favor of number 85, Tim Hanratty. Yep, Hanratty is going to come in instead of Wallace. Referees had to discuss something. That discussion is over. 17.2 seconds left. Yellow Jackets at the 36. From here, it would be a 53-yard field goal to win the game. They're down 35-33. Egbert's five coming. He better get out of there. He does. He throws. It's complete. But they got to get on. They got to get. They've got to get to the line of scrimmage. It's at the 20. The official they, goes down. They stopped the clock for the first down. And now they're going to have to clock it. First down, Egbers clocked it at the 21-yard line. Here comes Chris Fidal. 
for a 38-yard field goal try with seven seconds to go. And Egbers, that is running back to the line of scrimmage, runs right through the umpire, sends him <laughs> flying. He didn't mean to do that, folks. No, but uh, stoppage of clock, and they're going to spot the ball down at the 28-yard line, so about a 38-yard field goal kick. His long in his career is 43. Generals have a timeout. They're not going to use it from the right hash, and now they do. And Vidal, he just goes ahead and practices as if he were on the 18th tee to give him a little extra swing before he goes down and tries to win it at the Masters at Augusta National. Chris Vidal's been injured all year, Marty. He had a very poor beginning two weeks ago against Southern Virginia. He misses an extra point earlier today. But he's come out and kicked with a vengeance and a purpose. And after an improbable onside kick recovery, it's hard really to believe that the Yellow Jackets have a chance to win this game. But with 7.4 seconds to go, 38-yard field goal attempt coming from the right hash, Vidal could be the hero. And really, you haven't given up hope in this ballgame. You've had to get some luck down the stretch covering that onside kick. But uh, you put yourself in a position now that if you, you've got a veteran kicker out there on his career, he is 13 of 19 with a long of 43. Last season, he was 9 of 12. So within his range, and he's looked good or better with his extra points and kickoff so far today, 38 yards, Ely to hold for the win. Low snap. He gets it off. The kick is up, and the kick is good. It's good with 2.8 seconds to go, and they mob Vidal at the 35-yard line. We'll get celebration penalty flags. Yellow Jackets, it's not done yet, Marty, because you've got to get the kickoff and hope you can get that final three seconds burned off because – you don't want them to run one play. Look what they've done in the second half. And, Rob, going back to the, the, the field goal there, sure, Vidal, that's a heck of a kick to put it through. But the, the snap comes back and skips back to Ely. Ely has to go to one knee and, and pick it up and recover it and get it up to where you're able to kick it off. Pedro Arusa and Chris Vidal just hugged for about 15 seconds on the field. I, I, I can't wait to ask Coach what he just told Vidal when we talk to him post-game. Uh, you, you got you got to think. Fidal had so many is, you know issues, injury, frustration, not being able to play. Then he plays and he struggles two weeks ago. He misses an extra point today. For a long time here in the fourth quarter, it looked like that was going to be the margin of error this afternoon. He gets a chance from 38, and Ely, as you mentioned, an incredible job on the snap to get it in position for Chris to kick it. That now they got to get rid of the final 2.8. Not a great snap. The ball sort of skids back to Ely. He's able to get it and get it up and for Verdal you got to go through your motion at that point in time and and follow through and he does and he puts it right through between the pipes at that point but just uh not the best execution but your kicker comes through and that's the key of having a veteran kicker in this situation unbelievable turn of events when Josh Brees uh, broke that 75 yard of the second one Marty yeah there, I, there I really, have been multiple I thought it was over yeah I, I really I really did there's the uh, penalty, by the way, fans, was not for excessive celebration. It was actually against Washington and Lee. It was an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty against the Generals. And now if I'm Vidal kicking from the 50, I don't kick it through the end zone. I don't want to give him one play. I, I want to squib kick this thing. Let's see what they do. No, he is going to kick it. 
deep into the end zone, and it'll be an automatic touchback. And, oh, boy. Yeah, the challenge is here is oh the fact my. they've shown twice in the fourth quarter that it only takes one play. Right. And one one uh, broken tackle with the line of scrimmage to score. So, And they've done it a couple different ways, whether it's been uh, Montgomery Owen catching the ball out of the hands of Pollard or twice Brees breaking the line of scrimmage and off to the race. So Vidal has redeemed himself. Now the Yellow Jacket defense must do the same. Calvin Whitehead... It's going and to be Zion, back at his own 20-yard line. Yes, Zion Dennis and D'Angelo Barr are back at about the 30-yard line. You've got three at the front in Vagara, DeBerry, and McNair. Richardson and Cade Jones will pick up the receivers. You've got the linebacking core at midfield. One play, 2.8, and a, flag and a penalty up. marker comes in. That's probably going to be a delay of game, I think, against Washington and Lee. Which just makes it a little bit more difficult. They'll have to go, yeah, it's delay a game. They'll have to go 80 instead of 75. Oh, my goodness. One for the record books. Uh, just, well, if they can well, hold this. it's not this, over yet. Right, they got to hold this one play. If they hold this one play, some Yellow Jacket fans who are listening on the radio who left early are now kicking themselves. From the 20. Pollard running around. Time has expired. He's looking. He's looking. He dumps it complete. There's a flag on the play. They try to lateral, and Sullivan's got it at the 29-yard line. Now we got to wait a second to make sure the flag's not against Randolph-Macon, and I believe it's an eligible player downfield. And it is. And the game is over. The Yellow Jackets have had a monumental comeback. Uh, Marty, I said miracle. About 25 minutes of real time ago, there has been a miracle on this November 2nd, 2019 for the Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets, and they will go to Bridgewater, winners of seven in a row, and 6-0 and in the conference. And let me just turn the tables for a quick second, Marty. If you're Washington and Lee, it was a Hail Mary loss two weeks ago, a loss to Bridgewater last week, and a game you thought you had in hand today. And you let it slip away. Yeah, they made every play that they needed to make, uh, uh, the generals, and really continue to apply the pressure to the Yellow Jackets. But when you look at Randolph-Macon, Rob, just it's a character ball game for you. I think the fact that you give up those long runs and you struggle defensively to stop a very good offensive team, but you keep finding yourself in a hole, but you keep digging back at that point, and you put together drives. Uh, really, Ely comes in and runs the ball a little bit for you. Egbert's running the ball, and... Just make plays, and then it all comes down to you get a little bit lucky on an onside kick, but Vidal squibs that so hard, it rebounds back and allows you to recover. You still have to make plays, pick up about 30 yards to get yourself in the field goal. And then, you know, Vidal, you mentioned, hasn't played most of the season, struggled the first time we saw him two weeks ago down at Southern Virginia. But he's a veteran kicker. You give him a chance, it knocks it through, Yellow Jackets win. This is absolutely insane. They are carrying, coaches are carrying each other off the, uh, off the field. I mean, they just, I cannot explain the jubilation that this team is experiencing right now. And I think underneath it, if it was an onion, Marty, and you peeled a layer off, there's exuberation on the forefront, but inside, there's a lot of breathing size of relief because this team played well enough today to win this football game with the exception of allowing those few big plays in the fourth quarter that looked like it was going to, to, to rip it away from them. But they found a way. Again, execution failed them at times today. 
but not effort. And D'Angelo Barr is carrying Trey Frederick in the air, slapping each other's helmets. And he picks up Coach Aruza to D'Angelo Barr as well. I haven't seen the Yellow Jackets this happy since uh, Cleveland, Ohio last November. And, Rob, you, you talked about the fact that when it looked like this ball game was going to be the Yellow Jackets when they're losing end of it, you weren't out of the ODAC championship race, but certainly uh, this win keeps you in it. It's oh. really going to be a big ball game next week down there at Bridgewater. But just a, a character check for you today, a lot of things had to go right for you down the stretch, and uh, the, the pressure continued to be applied by the generals, but you, you make play after play after play, and finally it comes down to a kick by your veteran kicker, and when we look at the stat sheet here, the Yellow Jackets run 95 plays on the, the day for 502 yards, and just uh, time of possession well in the side of the Yellow Jackets, 42, point, uh, 30, 42 hmm. minutes and 30 seconds versus 17.30 for Washington and Lee, and uh, but Josh Breach finishes the ball game. Eight carries, 195 yards. He averaged 24.4 per carry, two touchdowns. And Trey Frederick, the All-American candidate for the Yellow Jackets, counters with 154 yards of his own. Presley Egbers also over 100 yards with 115 rushing. He also has a touchdown. So the, the scoring drive down the stretch, though, just amazing. Egbers, okay, 21 carries, 115 yards rushing, a touchdown. Listen to this line. This is a Randolph-Macon quarterback, fans. 23 of 35 for 218 yards and two touchdowns. The longest pass reception today was only 23 yards. Yeah. But if you divide 23 by 218, you're averaging almost 10 yards a reception. And for the way Randolph-Macon plays football, that's perfect for them. And really, that's and he needed every one of them down the stretch. I think he was very poised down the stretch, throwing the ball well. Besides the ball that were batted at the line of scrimmage, I thought he threw the ball very well today. The one throw we talked about to the corner of the end zone in the first half to, to Gill for the touchdown. But, uh, you know, the freshman, it's the first time he's been in a situation like this where he's had to make play after play after play uh, for the entire fourth quarter. And his teammates around certainly helped him. But you got a great play out of Egbert, both running the ball and throwing the ball. Big reason why the Yellow Jackets were able to come back and win this ballgame today. My, my biggest question today, Marty, was with all the talk about how the defense has played so well this year and, and you know, coming off the bye week, getting Trey healthy, looking good on the offensive line and kind of getting that set now for the stretch drive. My biggest question was, how does Egbers play today? You know, not a great effort against Southern Virginia. Uh, not the best of efforts the week before here against Shenandoah three weeks ago. Uh, but, boy. Did, did, did he just show us why he moved up the depth chart and started the, getting the starting job beginning in the Ferrum game? They've been unbeaten since he took over, and just this afternoon was a dazzling performance. And, and it's a strange game because, Marty, a lot of people are going to leave the stadium remembering all the huge one-play drives there for Washington and Lee. And, and Randolph-Macon was just patient, and they kept going and kept going and kept going. And I know they had to have a little bit of luck on the onside kick. But let's credit this for for Vidal. We talk all about the game-winning field goal. What about that onside kick to make that happen? As you mentioned, it was like that one hopper to short that lands between the dirt and the grass, and it takes the funny bounce, and you don't know how to handle it. And it handcuffs you. And and this is the baseball equivalent, Coach Hedrick will appreciate this, of reaching base on an error. That's exactly what happened on the onside kick. And you need a lot of luck there. When you you look, Rob, the the one-play tries that the Generals had to score on were huge. The Yellow Jackets are on the course of the ballgame. They score. First drive was 10 plays, 57 yards. Then a 14 plays, 62 yards. Then they go 13 plays, 66 yards. 
10 plays, 61 yards, 11 plays, 67 yards, and 11 plays, 88 yards. I mean, the, you grind it out. So your quarterback and your, your entire offensive unit allows you to keep drives alive, and you're pushing the ball down the field. So it was almost like you're, as you're grinding it, Every time you gave the ball back, they were scoring very quickly, but you didn't let it deflate you at that point. You continued to do what you needed to do and methodically move the ball down the field, but you put a freshman quarterback out there, and he engineers drives. that are, You've got ten of or three of them that are over ten plays for scoring drives. Unbelievable effort here this afternoon by Randolph-Macon. And for those fans who left, Marty, when Brees broke the last 75-yard touchdown run, lesson learned. Oh, yeah. Never give up on these yellow jackets. Never give up. We're going to take a final 60-second timeout, come back and wrap things up here from Dayfield and get you ready, fans, for what looks like the ODAC championship game next Saturday at Bridgewater. Randolph making 36, Washington and Lee 35 in one of the most crazy endings you will ever see in a college football game, and we're glad we were able to bring it to you here this afternoon. Back with a look ahead after this 60-second timeout, this is Randolph Macon College Football on 1029 The Mater. Massey Wood and West Incorporated has been serving the Richmond and surrounding areas since 1923. Offering the finest in Heil cooling and heating products, depend on them for professional service and installation of standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, gas or oil furnaces by Heil cooling and heating products. Depend on them for all of your cooling needs. Call 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Massey Wood and West. When you're sick, you expect your doctor to be open and straightforward with you about your health. Ferber's Tire and Auto Service in Ashland approaches your vehicle's care in the same way. They're transparent and accountable. They believe in educating their customers on how to address their vehicle's needs. Ferber's will perform a comprehensive diagnostic pictorial health report card and email you detailing the issue. No smoke and mirrors here. Ferber's Tire and Auto Service with two locations in Ashland. Find them online at ferberstireandauto.com and like them on Facebook. Back to the action. Randolph making college football on 102.9 The Mater. We're back here live at Day Field where we just witnessed a miraculous ending. Randolph making down by nine points twice in the fourth period, including with three minutes and six seconds to go, are able to engineer a drive to score a touchdown with 39 seconds left to cut it to 35-33, recover an onside kick at the 46-yard line, and then engineer a 33-yard drive to give Chris Fidal a 38-yard field goal try. Bad snap. Ely is able to grab it off the turf, put it up in time. Fidal splits the uprights with 2.8 seconds to go. Final score. Randolph making 36, Washington and Lee 35. The Yellow Jackets have won seven in a row. They're 6-0 and in the ODAC as they get set to go to Bridgewater for the ODAC championship next Saturday. And, Rob, we were talking before we came back from break about how frustrating it would have been. You recover the onside kick and you drive down and you get yourself a chance for a field goal may win the ball game for you and the snap was not great. So Andrew Ely, who did a great job of running the ball when he was in there, but that's a heck of a hold for him to get the ball up to where Vidal even has a chance to put that through. And to Chris Vidal's credit, just goes through his routine and really splits the uprights with it. And then you could see the yellow jacket, all, the sideline just explodes with that 
It's great to have it all back. You know you're going to need him to be a big part of this as you win some ball games down the stretch, but uh, really a total team effort to get yourself in a position where you even have a chance to make that kick. With Vidal out early in the season, we think about all the misses. Brooker struggled. Stone struggled. There were days where even they couldn't get the snap and the hold done correctly. I go back to the Averett game all the way back September the 14th, and we kept saying, Marty, at some point in this season, this kicking team is going to be called upon to make a huge play, and they've got to deliver. Well, guess what? It happened in week eight. It happened here with seconds left to go, and they do it. 38-yard field goal, 36-35 is the final. And so it'll be Randolph-Macon at 6-0 and in the ODAC and 7-1 and overall, winners of seven straight, heading next week to Bridgewater. And I know, Marty, you're saying there's some problems and issues yeah. with the live stats, but at last check, Bridgewater will up by 18 points uh start of the third quarter obviously they're well into the fourth and they may be final as well but if they hold serve uh, they'll be six and oh in the odac everybody else will have two losses or more and so the odac championship is going to be determined in week nine and that's not going to be an easy ball game to win it's going to be a great game to watch and it'll be a pleasure for us to go down there and call it next saturday but uh watching bridgewater last week at washington in the lead they're very good they're ranked number 25 in the the country this week in the D3 football poll. So a very good football team for the Yellow Jackets to go down and win. They're going to have to play better than they played today. I don't think that uh, Bridgewater has the same big play capabilities the Generals do offensively, but they're a very solid team. You're going to have to play a very good ball game to get to win. But the big thing is that you've got yourself in a position where that game is you're still going to be meaningful, but now going in with both teams undefeated from an ODAC perspective, it's a, it's really a big ball game. It's a huge ball game. It, it is for the ODAC title, no doubt about it, because even if the winner next week slips in their finale and in the standings they both have one loss the head-to-head determines the champion and the bid to the ncaa division three championship what an unbelievable game marty final question you have seen many more yellow jacket football games than i have here at beautiful day field in both of its iterations where does this one rank in terms of how they came back and won? It's got to be, uh, Rob, I can't think of one that we won in such dramatic fashion that you were uh, sort of left for dead, if you will, down by nine twice in the fourth quarter and just couldn't find a way to stop your opponent and really just kept coming back. And it's, uh, I'd have to think it's it, it's difficult. you got so many things running through your head right now, but I can't think of a better, more exciting, dramatic win here on Dayfield. I know one thing. It has infused a ton of energy into this evening's Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Oh, absolutely. Ceremony. we got a lot of folks up there. The bird song. Uh, uh, balcony that we're all watching this that'll be back for the Hall of Fame induction at about uh, 6 o'clock. Actually, the cocktail hour starts at about a, an hour. That might start much sooner than that. It's <laughs> yeah. the way things are going here on campus. But uh, uh, well, then we need to wrap things up so I can get you ready to head to cocktail hour there, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. got to run home and change real quick. But, oh, uh, man. What an afternoon, fans. And for those of you who stayed with us and didn't give up on the Yellow Jackets, you were certainly rewarded here today. 36-35, the final coming up in a moment you will hear the names of our incredible sponsors we thank them so much for uh, allowing us to bring you randolph making college football each and every saturday here on 1029 the mater 102.9 fm 1430 a.m fans listening on the tune in radio app on radio and for those of you who got to watch it this afternoon uh here at rmcathletics.com what a game what a game that you witnessed so we are on the road next saturday the odac championship game It'll be 6-0 Randolph-Macon, 6-0 Bridgewater. The winner will get the ODAC championship and the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. And most likely, the loser would finish in second place in the 
ODAC should they win their finale. And the second place team in the ODAC will be going to the new Neptune Bowl in Virginia Beach, November 23rd, uh, to take on the Apprentice School. New thing that's starting this yeah. year for the very first time. And as nice as the Neptune Bowl will be, I don't think either one of the teams next week want to be heading to Virginia Beach. No. At the end of the season, they yeah. want to see certainly, uh, and I think both teams, whoever wins next week, assuming if they win in we the final week of the season, it's going really going to be interesting. Both teams will be going in. Whatever team goes in, it's going to be on a roll. And yeah. possibility of maybe getting a home game. You figure if Bridgewater would win next week, they may be finishing their season at ten and zero. Right. Yellow Jackets could win and go in at nine and one, having won nine in a row. So both teams coming in on a heck of a roll, and it's going to be difficult for the NCAA to look at that and go maybe one of those teams. Who doesn't deserve a home game. We will review this game and we'll preview Bridgewater coming up Monday night on In the Red Zone here on 1029 The Mater, Monday night, 6 o'clock live at Sports Page Grill Ashland. We look forward to that. And just a, a plug for tomorrow night, basketball exhibition yes. at University of Richmond tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Andrew Price and I will be down at the Robbins Center for the call. That ball game, we ought to be on the air about 545 as Josh Merkel and his basketball team take the court for the first time. So that'll be live from the uh, Robbins Center tomorrow night at 545. And you can listen to that game tomorrow night at rmcathletics.com. That is rmcathletics.com. Buzz Anthony and company on the court at the Robbins Center against the Spiders. Can the Yellow Jackets Sting a spider coming up tomorrow night. That's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to hearing your call with Andrew Price. Mr. Wilson, thanks so much. As always, stellar job. A lot of fun. Oh, ton of fun today. I, I, I got a number for a cardiologist that's really good. <laughs> I may have to give to half the coaching staff when I head down for the newspaper interview. Thanks so much for being with us, everybody. Calvin Cecil, thank you for all your hard work back in the studios. Fans, next week we join you with the Lux Chevrolet pregame show at 1230. With the final word before kick with head coach Pedro Aruza, and it'll be for everything. Randolph making it Bridgewater next Saturday at 12:30. Until then, for Marty Wilson, Rob Witham saying thanks so much for being with us. Your final score in an incredible comeback. Chris Vidal with a 38-yard field goal with 2.8 seconds remaining. Randolph making 36. Washington and Lee 35. And we bid you a very pleasant good afternoon from Ashland, Virginia. Today's exclusive coverage of Randolph-Macon College football on the Mater has been presented by Lux Chevrolet Route 1 in Ashland or at LuxChevrolet.com by Marco's Italian Restaurant Bar and Grill, England Street in Ashland by Ferber's Tire and Auto Service with two Ashland locations by Massey Wooded West, fueling Virginia since 1923 at MasseyWoodedWest.com by Ashland Physical Therapy, partnering with Randolph-Macon College for over 25 years. And by Randolph-Macon College, giving you the edge. rmc.edu. Listen live next Saturday when Randolph-Macon travels to Bridgewater to face the Eagles. Pre-game coverage begins at 1230 on the home of Randolph-Macon College football. 1029 The Mater.